Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. conversation and uh, welcome to 2020 uh, happy new year to everyone i hope you had a great holiday it's great to be back i was in a pretty good mood getting things set up for the show tonight and, and still pretty much a, uh, a good mood uh until i seen the uh until i seen a tweet uh five hours ago of course this is being held by uh, c-span is not too bad but of course nbc uh, and I'm sure other liberal uh, news uh, organizations, the Alphabet News, as I like to call them, are going to love this uh, tirade by Mike Lee uh, about, oh, well, we, they only gave us a 75-minute, an hour and a half, okay, 75-minute, uh, an hour and 15 minutes uh, you know, worth, worth of time for debriefing. Obviously, he didn't get all the answers that he wanted. Uh, who knows? A lot of stuff might have been classified. But here's this guy, a Republican in Utah. I tell you what, I don't know what the hell's going on in Utah. I mean, you got Mike Lee, you have, you know, Romney uh, there, and of course you got Rand Paul, which 
you know, never liked him. You know, or you know, rarely ever like anything. He's standing there, you know. Uh, I, I tell you what, these, these people. I tell you what, Rand Paul needs. You know, I'm telling you, the, Mike Lee. People who are in Utah need to vote him out, get him primaried out. We need to get Rand Paul primaried out. You know, I'm just, I'm tired of these feckless Republicans who, you know, try to pretend that they've got a backbone, you know, when they don't. You know, I mean, you know, the Republicans better not start, you know, what they, you know, what they've been known for, and that's being spineless. I mean, when are these people going to realize that? Trump, and we're talking about, of course, this, this hit against Soleimani, uh, he's the commander-in-chief. He doesn't have to give them every action that he does in order to make a strike like that after our embassy was attacked, orchestrated by Soleimani, after an American citizen contractor is killed due to an order by Soleimani. This guy had at least 600 American, you know, soldiers' death on his hands, and then these guys want to bitch, whine, and moan because we didn't confront us. Well, you know what? How about you take this into consideration? Okay, one is that you guys leak like a sieve over there. Two, remember he is the commander in chief. You know, so he doesn't have to. Oh, in, oh, in the briefing, well, we didn't get all the information they wanted. Where? Okay, they are busy. As you stated, Mr. Lee, Representative Lee, they are busy, and they didn't give you hours and hours of time. Maybe they don't want to waste a lot of time in doing it. I'm getting sick of tell you, part of our, our show tonight, you know, we're going to make you know, our predictions, uh, Bard's Logic uh, predictions uh, for 2020 and a preview of the upcoming State of the Union address. And I do see callers in. Just give us a call. I'll just push one on your number. Dial gets you on. After I get my, well, maybe I'll call it uh, uh, Bard's Logic Host Tirade. Maybe that'll be my, my opening statement <laughs> on the shows in the years where I get a little tirade for a couple minutes uh, before I bring people in. Uh, but seriously, it's just a one-minute clip. Who knows what else? But he's acting all pissed off and mad and everything. Oh, well, we didn't get it. You know, And I'm telling you, when are these people going to realize they're giving ammunition you know, to the liberals? To the Democrats, when are we going to see a fully united Republican front? When are we going to see it? I mean, this again. This is another reason why, back in 2012, I left the Republican Party because of this kind of stuff. You know, and and, and people, you know, who who who's listened to the show for a long time, again, you know, no, I don't like Rand Paul. I think he, you know. Here's the thing. I think you know he's a conservative or libertarian ever when it suits his needs. Okay. Uh, really, I mean, uh, it, if, if it benefits him, th- then he's right in there. He's right in there. I tell you, these type of people, we need to get, we need to get primaried out because I'm, I'm getting sick of it. Again, you know, part of the show tonight is I got an article, which ironically enough is an article that was put out by the Democrats to try to tell them on who to pressure to try to vote for, you know, removal of, of, of Trump in office. Well, we're going to kind of, we're going to use that back way, okay? And we're going to talk – you know, I'm going to read this article, and it could work both ways. These are the folks who are vulnerable, who they need to be you know, focused on, paid attention to, and reached out to. You know, like tonight before the show, you know, I'm uh, getting on a lot of these, uh, you know, these Twitter feeds of, of these different representatives. And if you're a Twitter user, I recommend you doing so the same 
and also you know all your followers recommend them to go there and tweet to these guys because there's talk about them going ahead and putting forward the articles of impeachment and then here here's the and and then it gets starting maybe within the next week or so but let me tell you this again folks listening to the the shows in the past you know last year you know late last year is always for hey let's have an investigation let's 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 call people let's subpoena people let's get witnesses but you know what not to the point where I want to say, you know what? Screw it, because I don't, I don't, I don't only not trust the Democrats. There are plenty of Republicans out there, like uh, Mike Lee, like Rand Paul, like Mitt Romney. And let me tell you something: we we did exposés on Romney in 2012. You know when he was running for president. And if he don't want a bunch of dirt and stuff, you know, people talk about Bain Capital. You know, again, he you know. The guy needs to just get out of politics or become a Democrat because he, he's never been – here, let me um, – you know, I've got an audio clip of Romney back from 2012. Let me, uh, let me get that um, that we played, and I play it every once in a while. You know, it's, it's, it's a, hey, don't, don't take my words. Uh, you know, take his. Let's see. Uh, I'll find this clip because he, he's not a Republican. He never has been. Uh, well, you know, Republican in name only, but he's not a conservative. Uh, he, he seriously, and here, here, here's a clip. This is a minute. Uh, Romney basically outing himself. Now, Romney's all-day bus tour made a stop in Worcester this afternoon, where supporters gathered to cheer him on and rally the troops to get out the vote. Voter turnout is expected to decide this race, with a large turnout expected to help Romney. With that in mind, the campaign has set up 38 phone banks and targeted 150,000 undecided and unenrolled voters to receive phone calls. Many Democrats say a tie in the polls gives the edge to Shannon O'Brien because she has that statewide organization, including union and minority support. But the Romney campaign says that support is overrated and is eroding. They point to the recent endorsement from El Mundo, the largest Spanish-speaking newspaper in the state. I think the old, uh, uh, you know, standby uh, definitions of who votes for which party have uh, been blown away in this campaign. I think people recognize that I'm not a partisan Republican, that I'm someone who is moderate and that my, my views are progressive, and that I'm going to go to work for our senior citizens, for people who've been left behind by urban schools that are not doing the right job, uh, and so they're going to vote for me regardless of the party label. Because you've never been a Republican, Romney. I'm not a part of Here's the thing. And I've said this, and I've always, you know, you know, vote for your principal, be principal, vote for your principal. I've never been so partisan. <laughs> you know, I've, I've come back to the Republican Party just probably for this election. But let me tell you something. I've never been so partisan as now, as now. But you know, cause, and then you have Romney who just says that he's not a Republican. He's not with the. He's not with the party. Okay, I'm a moderate. That's putting it mildly, and I'm a progressive. He's always been a progressive. I mean, look at Romney care, which, which morphed into Obamacare. And now you've got this guy running the public with leak. One of those guys, you know, out having tea somewhere, you know, Mike Lee and, and Romney. What the hell what is in the water in Utah? I mean, seriously. I'm telling you, it's, it's, I hope it's not starting again where you're starting to get disunity uh, from from the Republicans. So anyway, I was supported. Like, yeah, let, let, let's call you know Hunter Biden. I even say that someone's Twitter. You know, let, let's call uh, 
Biden, you know, both Joe and and Hunter. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and call Adam Schiff. Let's call the uh, the Eric whatever the guy's last name is, the so-called whistleblower. Call him. Let's have all this. Let's expose all this shit. But you know what? I think if I think what you know Mitchell uh, should do, or Mitch McConnell should do, is just dismiss the whole damn thing. Because let me tell you, folks. I know as much as I want an investigation to expose all this corruption, I'm getting to the point when I don't trust – I'm getting to the point where I don't trust the Republicans you know, uh, to, to do this, to, 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 to make sure he doesn't get, you know, doesn't get removed. I, I'm, I'm starting to lose – I mean, yeah, I know they need a lot of them. They need, they need a, a, a lot of them. And so, but what, here, let me go to this article, and then you know, again, if you want to chime in, go to push one on your number dial. We got plenty of time in the show, but I do want to bring this up. And so, uh, this is actually uh, not from the website, not from the Bart's Logic Newsroom, but I, I seen this on Twitter, and it's uh, DemCastUSA.com. It's uh, a grassroots media. It's, it's by the people for the people, but it's about it's to support Democrats. But anyway, it says, let's talk strategy. We know that the chances of Donald Trump being removed from the presidency by the Senate is slim. But while we are – see, see, for the people, by the people – okay, but anyway. says, but we are unlikely to get a clear victory with 67 votes. That doesn't mean we can't fight for a moral victory with 51 votes along the way. Yes, 51 votes. If a majority of the Senate votes to remove Donald Trump or at least votes in a fair trial, it will be the next best thing, showing that only the rules of the Republican-controlled Senate could save Donald Trump from his deserved fate, which is bullshit because it's not the rules of the Senate. Now, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, if, if someone had, you know, knows this and I'm wrong here, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's not the rules of the Senate. Made by Mitch McConnell that states it takes 67 senators to remove somebody from office. That's the Constitution, you don't. Correct. Somebody, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think so. You know, so it's not because the Republican-controlled Senate could save us from the, whatever. No, no, it's because you're not going to have the votes. But anyway, it says, well, Democrats only hold 47 seats. Getting to 51 votes will be difficult. Mitch McConnell will do everything in his power to keep the number of Republican factions to zero, let alone four. And Chuck Schumer will do the same to keep his Democratic caucus united. Um, so who are the senators most likely up for grabs and most vulnerable to public opinion? I've broken them down into four groups, 2018 red state Democrats, vulnerable 2020 Republicans, Retiring Republicans and the wild cars. Uh, the first one they have here says 2018 red state Democrats. Kirsten Sinema from Arizona. John Teft. Now remember, these, these are folks, if, if they're in your state and one of these guys are, contact them. If you're a Twitter user, get on the Twitter, respond to them, You know, share their, uh, their, their Twitter where people, your, people can tweet to them as well. Facebook, I personally, I don't think Facebook is as successful politically as Twitter is. Just don't see it. Um, so, or email them or call them. Not that I think calling really does anything any good. I think that's, you know, going to the wayside. But anyway, it says 2018 red state Democrats. So if you're, the, you're a Democrat or these are in your state, 
and you you know you don't want uh, removal. These are the ones you got to to call and, and tell them your support to not remove Trump. I mean, I mean, look at this economy. Look what Trump's done. I mean, uh, think about it. I mean, we'll, we'll talk later on tonight about you know the Trump doctrine, right? I mean, now you're starting to hear about the Trump doctrine when it comes to his you know his military. Um, you know, it's military strategy and, you know, foreign policy. And so we'll talk more about that. But think about it. Last night, the Iranians <clears throat> attacked, right, with 15, 15 uh, ballistic-style missiles and not one casualty, not one. And let's be honest, we know why. Because the Iranians know shit. If we kill an American, you know, like we did uh, that that contractor, someone's going to die. They're going to kill our people. Trump is going to make sure we kill our people, and they're going to do it. So what did they do? Well, you know, we got to do something because our people are going to be pissed off if they if we don't. And we'll, we'll lob fifteen ballistic. I see see people want to chime in. I see you push one. I'll get you in. And and so, uh, we're going to throw some missiles over there. We're going to bomb dirt is basically what they did. Do you think if Obama was in there, or let's be honest, Bush was in there, they would have bombed dirt? No. No. So we have relatively peace. We have the Iran who fire missiles at us after one of their guys are killed. They're like, yeah, and they missed. And come on, you don't fire 15 and just miss and hit dirt. Okay, that's basically what they did. Why? Because we finally have a president, a modern-day president with backbone who's going to stand up to these people. Our economy is roaring, and then we have people, oh, yeah, let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of it. What? Really? But anyway, I'll get, uh, it says the red state Democrats are Kirsten Sinema, Arizona, Joe Tester, Montana, Joe Manchin, West Virginia, and, and I, I kind of like Joe Manchin. I mean, sometimes he makes some sense. And this guy's in Ohio where I'm at is J, uh, Sherrod Brown. I would never vote for this guy. I've never voted for this guy. Frankly, the Ohio uh, governor isn't much better than this guy. And frankly, Rob Portman, I question. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I'll be reaching out to, to them and already been following them on Twitter and, and keeping an eye on what they've got going on. It says these Democrat senators all won in red states in 2018, and perhaps more importantly, all have five years left in their term. That's a long time before they have to face any repercussions, which is true, which is true. And we all know that political memory is the shortest memory there is, and that's what they're going to hope for. That's what they're going to hope for. This is going to be a long-term strategy when we talk to these people, say, look, we're not going to forget. We're not going to forget. And then, so they won't face voters again until 2024 if they face voters again at all. Sharon Brown is the most likely, huh? But you know, these are Democrats of the group that support the process and removal. An unapologetic Democrat populist, he votes his conscience and is consistently rewarded for his doing so, even in an increasingly conservative state. I don't know if I'd, I'm in Ohio. I don't know if you could say it's increasingly conservative. I think it might be. More moderate than liberal, but I don't know if you could call it conservative. Oh, it says Kirsty. I mean, remember, it, it voted for Obama. You know, it voted for Obama both, you know, in 2008, 2012. So when, when it went for Trump, a lot of things because 
Hillary Clinton, what she had to say about coal miners and things of that nature. Same with West Virginia, for that matter. And that's actually they bring in Joe Manchin. Um, I skipped down a little bit. It says, the same goes for Joe Manchin, who will be 77 in 2024. He clearly has never loved being in the Senate. I suspect this will be his last term. Well, I think he could get support for a failed trial. He also strikes me as a Democrat most likely to vote to let Trump stay since his state voted overwhelmingly for Trump in 2016. In the end, I think all four will vote appropriately, but don't leave anything a chance. If any of these Democrats or senators go on the phone now, and that's what I said, do the opposite. Because these are the people that the Democrats are going are to you know, focus on. We need to focus on them too, but on the flip side. Okay, and I promise, folks, I'm, I am going to get every, you know get people in. Uh, it says now these are uh, the next group it says vulnerable, and I think these are the most for me at least. I think these are probably the most important ones to uh, to maybe affect. These might be the most important ones, and these are vulnerable 2020 candidates or 2020 Republicans. It's, and the list is Cory Gardner, Colorado. Susan Collins, Maine, and, and, and notice some of these. You, you're going to hear some of the same states: Arizona, for instance. You know, McCarthy, uh, McSally, Arizona; Joni Ernst, Iowa; uh, Tom Tillis, North Carolina; Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, Georgia. So you got two in Georgia that they're vulnerable 2020 Republicans. So I think those are the most important: Court Gardner, Colorado; Susan Maine, Collins of Maine. Martha McAllister, Arizona, Joni Ernst, Iowa, uh, North Carolina, uh, Tom Tillis and Kelly uh, Loeffler, and David Perdue, Georgia. Says, the timing of impeachment does not easily allow for these senators up for re-election in 2020 to support impeachment. Primaries could easily remain a threat, and they should be, and we should be using that. And with the Democrat leadership, you know, the Republican leadership, and we know this happened. We know it happens. And frankly, to be honest, normally <laughs> I don't particularly agree with it, but we know what happens. You know they're going to go to people and say, look, you're going to tow the party line. And if you don't, you're going to be out of a lot of money, which, again, I kind of don't like. I mean, I really don't like that. But, I mean, sometimes you've got to fight fire with fire. And in this case, we're, we're, I think that's what they're just going to you know, have to do is Trump's going to have to say, look, you guys want money for your campaigns? Oh, you, you don't want us to support a, a, a primary candidate against your, your, your re-election? Oh, oh, you don't? Oh, okay. Well, then, you know, hey, this is how, you know, you, you, you need to support your party. Uh, you know, and this says, of this batch, I think Susan Collins, and I skipped a little bit, says, of this batch, I think Susan Collins might be the most likely to support a fair trial and or removal. She has her own, quote, brand in Maine. And would be best positioned to withstand any Trump throwback or blowback. But in the end, much like Kavanaugh, I don't expect her to pull the trigger. Trigger, she uh, will likely voice her concern over Trump's actions, but stop short of casting the right votes. But she could. So, folks, there, you know, for Susan McCollins, if you're in Maine, or you have friends or family in Maine, or e- even if you're not, get on their Twitter anyway and let them know that people don't, you know. And then, I mean, they may or may not look at who, you know, w- you know where you're living uh, when you do that. But you know, follow them because uh, I'm telling you, the more and more people see that, uh, hey, you know what, people are against it. People are going to start coming out of the woodwork. I mean, I got it. And speaking of one of the predictions for 2020, 
I mean, right now, as things stand, I'm pretty confident. My prediction for 2020 for the impeachment is that it won't happen. Uh, but these things still need to be. I mean, we have to make things happen. You know, we can't just be like, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen. My prediction is, is you know, we'll we'll put the fight in, and it won't happen. Uh, but still, the fight still has to happen. It says, I have little hope for the rest of them. Uh, Corey Gardner knows he's going to lose in 2020. He likely wants to retain his ability, and it's blah, 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 so to talk about that. But, yeah, Susan Collins is, is a big one there. Um, now, these are retiring Republicans. Now, the, I mean, the, they're all important, and, and, you know, and I still think the ones that could be reached is the vulnerable ones. Uh, but the retiring Republicans, you know, Pat Roberts of Kansas, or Alexander, Tennessee, Mike Enzi, Wyoming, Richard Byrd, North Carolina. Uh, he's actually going to be out in uh, retiring 2022. Uh, these folks, uh, you know, they're, they're, the Democrats are, gonna, are thinking, oh, well, you know, we should try to, you know, talk about their patriotism and their loyalty to the country and how, you know, here's the thing. Someone needs to, seriously, people seeing the economy, people seeing a state like Iran. Okay, the people seeing a state, uh, people seeing a state like Iran firing 15 missiles and seems like obviously, per, you know, purposely missing. What, why, what, how can they say Trump's a danger to this nation? How? How? Trump has been in there three years. Remember, they're saying, oh, we're going to go to World War Three. Now, world, you know, World War Three with. Uh, you know, with the Kim Jong Un, and you know, and go to this big war with North Korea it didn't happen. They said the same thing with Russia it didn't happen. They're saying the same thing with Iran it didn't happen. We are going to play. Uh, I do have Trump's speech that he gave today for those who missed it. Uh, we have the whole about nine minutes, almost ten minutes of it. We'll play it tonight. Um, and then he said some things that I definitely want to talk about in our predictions uh, for 2020. And I'm almost done. I'll bring uh, bring in Dr. Colbert. And I've seen someone else who pushed one. They may have hung up. Hopefully they'll call back in or just call it back in. Just need to press the one on their number dial again. But we'll see. In just about five more minutes. Bear with me. And these are, of course, the wild cards. And, of course, the top of that wild card list from Utah, as I said, what's in the water there? Is Mitt Romney. Because Mitt Romney, for one, in my opinion, is still butthurt that, that Trump beat him. Even though he wanted Trump's endorsement, you know, for getting elected to the Senate, which – Trump's not perfect, and that's one of the mistakes with supporting him. And then there's Lisa Murkowski from Alaska. So if you know anybody in Alaska, in Alaska is a, a, a red state. It's been a red state. Okay, you need to get a hold of her and saying we are going to primary you out if you support this removal of, of, of Trump. We will we will work on getting you. And there's candidates up there. From my understanding, there are people who are you know, playing with the waters to run even now run against her. Okay, so and, and I think we should. Even even her being on this list makes me think. You know what? We need to just get these people out. You know, I mean, and, and I think that's a big problem because even when the Republicans have been in power, you know, especially under the the leadership, so-called leadership, leadership by saying quotes of Paul Ryan, there were do nothings with spine with you know spineless. You know, well, I think we finally the Republicans are finally starting to say some spine. You know, so we, you know, get rid of them, primary them out. I mean, frankly, I'd like to see every, almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody voted out and just start all over again. Um, 
I mean, heck, I, I would rather see more than just two parties. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. And then there's Douglas Jones, Alabama Democrat. So I don't know if you really can do anything with the Democrats um, because what I said earlier, I mean, right or wrong, whatever. I mean, they're going to say, hey, look, you want the money from the from the party that, you know, to help with your campaign, then you're going to do this, 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 this. But anyway, uh, I do see, you know, as again, I see folks in the line and they'd like to get chimed in. Um, looks like we did have one person who wants to uh, chime in, but I, oh, there it is. Uh, Suzette, uh, we'll get you in, but we will do this in order. Uh, first, Dr. Tolbert, and then Suzette. We got, uh, well, then uh, Eric at 845. Uh, if I get a chance to do get in the green room, just get folks' uh, folks' uh, names, I'll do that. But let's first, and uh, we will get you on. I mean, you may be a little bit of a wait, but it's a three hour program uh, for those who are new. So we got plenty of time. We got two and a half hours left of this show. So if you're in the queue, you're going to get on. And so let's go ahead and uh, an eight five four. You're in there. Um, so let's go ahead and go to Dr. Tolbert. Dr. Tolbert, thank you very much for coming to the show tonight. Happy New Year to you. How are you? I'm doing well, and I really want to send my blessings upon you and the members that are listening to the radio station and the direction we're going. And I just want to just cover a couple items, uh, Robert. And we're going to start with that the airplane killing a hundred and some people in Iran was actually downed by one of the missiles that was ah, part that's of what I thought. going again. Yeah, they I figured that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. They, they actually found the, the uh, parts of missiles around the airplane, and they actually killed uh, a lot of Canadians were on the airplane and people from Uganda, uh, Ukraine. Uh, not Ukraine. Uh, anyway, they, they just killed a lot of people there, and uh, yet they couldn't hit a military base. It's just... Uh, something how you could sit there and, and do that. Secondly, we got to go back to Jimmy Carter back 40 years ago when Iran held the uh, uh, prisoners and we didn't go in the, at the embassy and, and we didn't go in. And then we watched Bush uh, didn't retaliate. We watched Obama didn't retaliate. And we watched that in, uh, I think it was Lebanon, where we lost four diplomats under Obama, and no one did anything. Uh, we go back into the resolution that Pelosi wants to pass, which is the 30 days if you don't do something. But what people have to remember, that is not getting approved uh, to be done because from her getting it passed in the House of Representatives, it's got to go to the Senate. And then from the Senate, it's got to go to the president so it gets vetoed or it doesn't get passed. So a lot of people don't understand that what Pelosi is doing is breaching the Constitution to include the fact of the delay. And now we're talking that in two weeks, if they don't set forth the impeachment paperwork, the Senate can actually throw it out under an amendment. So there's a lot of things that are happening that we have to look for. Unfortunately, the independent parties are not running strong enough to compete against the Democrats and Republicans. And Jefferson had said all along the two-party system would, in fact, destroy American. So we have to go back. Now, we go into trillions of dollars spent under Trump. We now have one of the strongest militaries that we've had in over 40 years. Uh, he's, we wrote articles on terrorism, boots on the ground. Uh, he just is not doing strike forces 
he's actually putting three or four thousand plus military people in uh, Iraq. So all these things as commander in chief in the briefing of 70 some minutes in a secure involvement environment, there's conversations. Why didn't he tell us more? Why did he tell us less? We are in a secure room. So if you're in a secure room, why are you telling the public what was talked about in that meeting? <laughs> yeah. Shut up. I mean, it doesn't even make any sense to me what they're doing, Robert. So I'm just going to kind of just leave it there and just send my praises. And it's good to be with you guys for the start of the new year. Well, thank you very much. Uh, as you know, I'll keep your line open there, uh, Dr. Tolbert, for our roundtable discussion. And, yeah, I'm going to add to that. Uh, yeah, that's a very good point. Cause, I mean, I was just watching that uh, that video clip there on, on, on Twitter uh, you know, literally minutes before the show. And I, that even dawned on me because I was just like, really? Come on, guys. You know, you got to have a united front. Uh, but anyway, it's, yeah, I mean, if this is something that's in a secure room, there's a reason for it. So why are you up here? What, you know, why are you up there complaining? Except you just want a grandstand. I mean, so you know, uh, some of them I think they just want to do it just because they want to be in front of the cameras and, and they want to, you know, they want to get interviewed and get and called all these shows and and things of that nature. I mean, that's 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 what I think. But let's go ahead and uh, we're going to get uh, Suzette on and then Eric at eight four five will we'll get you in. Um, and then uh, we may do get some you know, call screening. I might just get you into the show and. Just take it from there. Uh, just give us your name and, and what state you're in. But uh, thank you very much, uh, Suzette, uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. Happy New Year to you and your loved ones and Dr. Tolbert and his loved ones. And uh, you guys are right on point. I agree. That's a, that's an excellent question. If it's a secure room, then why are these guys talking to the press about what they talked about and didn't talk about? <laughs> it means you're not supposed to talk about it being in a secure room. So anyway, um, yeah, the missile didn't hit anything. Um, now we're saying that a missile actually hit a, a the plane that went down. Is that what I understood? You guys yeah, saying? and I, I bet that was an accident. I bet they didn't do a someone. Someone missed it. Someone missed. A, hey, don't fly over this area. And I think it was an accident. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm totally speculating here, uh, but I think it was an accident. I think I think this is going to be an oh shit moment for Iran because I think that I, I think they did a lot to not kill anybody and they did anyway and that's going to be as good as, as my daughter would say a big oof I think it's a yeah, big oof on their was, part that airplane was that airplane was taken off uh, Robert it wasn't flying over the area it was actually leaving the airport and it was only two minutes in the air when the missile hit it oh geez yeah that's an oof yeah, that's mm-hmm. a news. That 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 should have not. Yeah, that 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 was a yeah. What what I can I, I mean I, again I'm speculating, but I seriously doubt that was a target. That was a oh shit. We didn't want to kill anybody, and then we did. And here's the sad. I mean, it's sad anybody dies. But here's the thing, they probably killed more people in that plane unintentionally than what they would have killed if they intentionally attacked the actual bases. Yeah, I agree. There was like 185 people on those planes, wasn't there? Yeah, I think it was like 180, 182. But yeah, they uh, and these were seasoned pilots. Uh, the airplane just came out of maintenance, uh, and it was leaving to go back home. And it was one of the best airplanes that the country had had 
and so it was just stupidity. And I agree, it was stupidity, but it shows the lack of control Iran has on their long and short range missiles. Yeah, well, they thought they had a clear field to fire on, so they just uh, went crazy and just started firing them off. And oops, oh, I got away. Damn it. Hate it when that happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is. I mean, that's, I mean, that, I mean, I mean, and here's the thing. And the, the, the tragic, and eight four five and uh, the tragic thing about that is, I mean, it's unintentional. I mean, if, if, if our soldiers got killed, that's awful. I mean, I was even saying, man, I hope that no Iraqi soldiers got killed because there was something that there might be Iraqi casualties, but it sounds like that didn't happen either. And, of course, that happens when you're shooting at dirt. Um, <laughs> but, man, I mean, I, I think either this missile just went off course and hit the plane, as, as you're saying, Dr. Silver, or the, the plane might have accidentally even flew into this missile, kind of like a, a T-bone kind of thing where they're both kind of unfortunately find themselves in the same uh, area of space. You know, at a, at a time enough to get hit. Um, well, you, man, I, you know, off two or three minutes, you're less than a mile in the air, and for it to happen, uh, it would be a rocket being headed to a different place. And a lot of times, they're heat seeking, and it did hit the side of the airplane. Uh, the pilot then diverted the airplane to an open field and crashed it because it was going into a um, a community area, and Iran it refuses to release the black box. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. Oh, that's terrible. I was hoping to hear, you know, when I yeah I heard about that. I'm like, man, you know, I mean, because it, it was kind of nice to hear and funny at the same time, you know, that they shot off 15 ballistic missiles and no one got killed. I mean, it's comical, like. How do you fire off 15 ballistic missiles and no one gets – I'm not saying I want anybody to kill. Don't get me wrong. I don't. But it's kind of like – can I say that tongue-in-cheek? Like how do you do that unless unless it's purposeful? Either pure, you know, as you said, ineptitude uh, or they did it on purpose, which I I mean I think they hit dirt, you know, bombed dirt on purpose. But again, now they have this damn thing. Ugh, it's terrible. So again, you know, is there anything you'd like to add before I bring up uh, Eric at 845 on the line? No, that'll do it for now. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Of course, you know, you're going to, you know, keep the mic open there for you. And, uh, again, you, sometimes I do some green rooming. Sometimes I don't. And this time is one of the times I'm not. So I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. Uh, got area code uh, 845 on. Uh, what's your name and where are you calling from and how are you tonight? I'm doing fine. Happy New Year, everybody. And Suzette, how are you? It's Mike from New York. Hey, Mike. And, uh, how are you doing? Happy I'm New Year. Doing fine. Happy New Year. And you know, I, I brought this up before. Uh as soon as as soon as it happened, I I was speaking with a friend of mine and I said, you know, keep in mind that there's a real possibility that there would be there was a behind the scenes deal cut with the Iranians. And because the whole thing you've got to look at the people people in America in this country, we don't understand the mentality of the Middle East. There's a macho, thick headed, insane uh, attitude that these people have And it's all about saving face And I could see The Iranians going back to the America and the Iraqis and saying look We're going to work this out We're going to send missiles in This is the time we're going to launch them This is where we're going to send them Make sure your people are covered But we have to do this and then we're going to tone it down 
and we're going to get back to life as normal and everything is. And son of a gun, did you see the articles where the Iraqis admitted that they were given a heads up? And the Americans yeah, as well. Yeah, I've seen that. And so when those right, so this is this is nothing. This is all a game. It's a stage, and it was mostly done to the Iranian people, which they have no clue. The majority of them don't have access to like we do, to the rest of the news out there. So they hear uh, Yabba Dabba Do Number One get on the radio and say that they killed 80 people, 80 Americans. What did he call them? American terrorists. 80 American terrorists were killed by these bombs. Look what we did. We have rubes, rubes, we've done it. We're supreme. They didn't do anything. It was all a stage, all an act, just to save face. And that's all they have at this point. This was a serious lesson for the Iranians, that they're not dealing with Obama. They're dealing with somebody that knows their mentality and is willing to play their game right back at them. So I, I think Trump did a great job, and this was what was needed. And I think it was also another lesson. For, now he's done it this the second time. He taught little Kim... North Korea taught him a lesson. Now he taught the Iranians a lesson. And what did he do? Well, you know, like I was talking with a colonel the other day, and uh, this guy said, you know, all the other administrations, basically if you look at a, a wound and a sore and you say that thing is it's infected, well, the other administrations, especially Obama, they'd hit it with cortisone or some sort of salve or something. That's it and walk away from it. Trump didn't do that. He ripped the scab off it, started draining it, and went at the source. And the source was that general, Soleimani. This guy was behind everything, between using the money, funding, Hezbollah, and everything else all over the place. That was the key. Now, he took him out, and he said, okay, now we're going to start over. So he did absolutely the right thing. But, uh, you know, the, the liberals and a lot of the Americans over here, they don't get it. They don't understand it. They can't comprehend it. They're not tacticians. They're, they're Google tacticians. What they get off the Internet is what they live off of. And if the internet tells them this, X, Y, Z, that's it. Uh, to them, that's, that's the truth for them. They refuse to believe it. So this was tipped off. It was all planned uh, with the Iranians. Now they're happy. They save face. Now we can get on with it. I think the Iraqi parliament, any of the hardliners that were in there, they're looking at it. And after all the rhetoric about we're going to kick out America and everything else, they finally started thinking, wait a minute. We got ISIS over here that's still remnants of them. That are still. I went to Kurdish News yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was the day before actually. But there were articles up there that uh, four of the Iranian soldiers were killed by ISIS. ISIS plan, uh, held an attack up north, up in that region. We didn't hear it on the news over here. They're not going to tell you that stuff. I had to go on the web, go to the English version of Kurdish News, to start looking at that ISIS is still active up there. You think the Iraqis in Parliament don't know that? Of course they do. Now, like, okay, do we want to have a war with the Americans, the Iranians, and we still have ISIS here? Or do we want America to pull out, and now we're stuck with what? People that don't even know how to clean their own firearms? I, it's, yeah, you know, they're, 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 they're going to want our help. To, <laughs> yeah, they're they're gonna want they're going to need they're our help want. to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, and any of the ones that are educated, say some of the pilots and everybody else that we've trained over here that have a brain in their head, do you think they're going to want to stick around and stay in Iraq after we pull out? They're like, yeah, you know what, guys? This has been great. I had a wonderful time. See ya. They're going to get out. They're going to pop smoke. They're gone, man. They're not going to hang out for that. So, and one of the next ones, and he's been behaving himself overall. He said, yes, the Americans should pull out Sadr. Remember that imam, Sadr with Sadr City? 
He's voiced a couple of opinions, but overall, he's sitting back and behaving himself because he's thinking, I might be on that list. Mm-hmm. I don't want to end up with having somebody drop a house on me like in The Wizard of Oz. No. I, yeah, I better shut up a little bit here. So he's been behaving himself a little bit. He called for unity between the militias that were out there, but nothing really radical. He's been behaving overall. So it's 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 a lot more complicated than what the average Mon Kettle out there or some of the millennials that are blinded by no matter what happens, it's it's Trump's fault, evil Trump, orange man bad. I, they don't get it anyway. And, you know, I, I was talking with a bunch of them. I said, a hundred years from now, you do realize that historians are going to be ridiculing people like you. They're going to be studying how the media indoctrinated so many people and turned them against Trump and blindly, and you people were totally off base. They're going to be studying it. And, and I said, you're going to be a joke. You'll be laughed at. Do you understand this? No, that's not true. Yes, it is. They don't get it. They yeah, refuse to. Well, and then, and then they keep saying all was, you know, because at least on, you know, a lot of the liberals I've been, you know, reading, like, you know, Twitter, things of that nature. And you mentioned history, and they're saying, the, of course, the exact same opposite. Uh, history is going to show that Trump was the most, you know, corrupt president in American history. It's like, yeah, here's the thing, and it's great to hear you on the show, and I appreciate it because I think you may be a first-time caller here. And what I don't understand is that for literally decades, and, and I said this a lot on the show, that for at least the f- past four decades, uh, we've been bitching about the same issues every election cycle uh, you know, for 40 years. And we've been complaining about uh, American corruption since the 40s, if not before. Cause I, I remember last Christmas, uh, not this one that just passed, but the one before that, uh, the, it's a wonderful life. or No, not no, it's a wonderful life. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to uh, Washington was on there. And they're talking about all the corruption of Washington, and then I'm like, this movie was made in like 1940, 1943, or something like that. And they're talking about, you know, you know, corruption, and I'm like, that was like 80 years ago, and, and they're still talking about it. And what I find ironic is you hear people who are so sick of politics, who have such an apathy about politics in our government, because they're like. Well, you know, they're corrupt, and they're going to do whatever they want to do anyway. And then you got a president there who ran on and is trying to expose the corruption, is trying to drain the, the swamp. And I, I would call it a cesspool more than a swamp. I agree with those who call it cesspool, but he's trying to do that. And then the very people – and it's pretty much everybody. So half the people – who are like bitching about government corruption or have apathy about government corruption hate Donald President Donald Trump, who's trying to get rid of the corruption. I'm like, are you well, it's because of the mentality. I, I think it's because of the mentality and how the liberals think and everything else. You've got to look at it going back to the hippie days in the beginning. I mean, someone's going to label me as a redneck and say, you know, ah, that guy from New York, yes. But I'll tell you what, I, I think. The biggest enemy for any of these liberals or the millennials or whatever you want to tag socialism, they hate accountability. They hate anyone, anything, any agency, any person that represents authority, whether it's police, military, a judge, unless they're under their control. If it's a fellow liberal that's a judge, they love them. 
because that's the type of authority that will bend and morph and warp the rules to fit what they need, their interpretation, their version of the world. But anybody else that has authority, especially like a cop, military, a politician that's conservative, oh, my God, they're scared to death they, because they hate that. They don't want that. They don't want accountability. They don't want to be held accountable for anything. They want everything. They think that everything's going to be a utopia and we have to get along, and they're dreamers. They don't understand that you're never going to be able to legislate human behavior. They, they put all this stuff, they have these insane, like what we're dealing with in New York now with the no bail laws and the new disclosure act that's in place and everything. And now they're realizing that there was a, look at that one lady that attacked the, the Jewish, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, some women in the streets, that woman within two days, she'd been arrested four times and they kept letting her out on bail again and again and again. And now the politicians are realizing this was a stupid move. Yes, it was. But it's a mentality of, of accountability that they just hate it. And Trump scares the shit out of them, just like a gun. To them, a gun represents accountability and authority. You can't have that. That means that that symbol of authority, that ability to kill, you can't have somebody just having a gun. Oh, no. Anything like that, they're, they're, par- they're a paranoid bunch. They really are. So... And, you know, when they shut up and you don't hear from them and they get under their rock and they hide, unfortunately, when things like 9-11 happen, then they disappear. They hide. They keep their mouth shut. They behave because now they're like they're terrified. They don't know what to say. They're afraid to say anything. And then after two, three weeks, a month, the time goes on, they start coming out from under the rock and they start saying, okay, we're going to make things better again. Now, we're going to do this and this and this. We've got ideas. Where the hell were you when 9-11 happened? Where the hell were you? I didn't see you with overalls down in the, at ground zero digging anybody out. So they're basically, they're cowards. And they're just, accountability and authority is a big thing for them. And, and like I said, Trump represents all of it to them, and they hate him for it. They don't like that sense of power, the power that he has. And every time he wields it, he's right. And it comes out in the end that he's right, but they don't know what to admit it. They, they, they don't want to acknowledge it. So, oh, those are my feelings. I'm, I'm, you know, you guys might disagree, but it's just some observations I have. Well, I mean, I think they, I mean, you know, that's certainly part of it. Not one, one group that I would like to add in there um, is, and Kelly will get you in, is, is parents. I think that they, it, it, you know, talk about authority figures. I think they're afraid of parents. They don't even want parents to have a say over their own children. I mean, look at these places I want you to, and, and I, like one thing that gets under my skin. Now, I, I don't have any, you know, real young children anymore. And, and, you know, I wish I did, but, you know, some parts it's like, well, with this stuff going on, but with, with forced vaccinations, I don't believe you should force kids to have to get vaccinations. If a parent doesn't want a kid to get vaccinated, then they don't get vaccinated, then they don't vaccinate them. I think it's crazy where they have compulsory, uh, you know, vaccinations. I think that's nuts. But the government, I'm telling you, the government wants to control every aspect of your life, even what kind of, you know, uh, you know, bi- biological stuff that you put inside your body, you know. And, and, and they, they want, that's why they, you know, and I'm not a religious you know, person by any stretch of the imagination, but that's why they want to get rid of, like, churches. That's why they want to have, a, you know, a secular society. Because they want people to rely on everything with them. That's why they want to get rid of charities, in my opinion. 
because they want people to rather you know, they get they see the government as the person who supplies their their well being and things of that nature. Yeah, I think they, they I think they hate any of of that kind of stuff uh, because they, you know, they want people to, to to come to them for it because once you rely on them, they can pull your strength and then they can rely on you to help keep you in power. And, and one of the things I think that's why they're wanting to let all these illegal immigrants in because they see that. You know, some of the minorities, such as, you know, blacks and even some, you know, Hispanics, there's a growing number that are not supporting the Democrat candidates anymore. And they're afraid of that. I mean, they're like, oh, my gosh, we're leaving, you know, like Blexit, you know, you know, we're losing a big part of our constituency. We need a new constituency. I mean, now you get a lot of blue collared workers who are leaving the Democrat Party. Now, look at how many blue collared left, you know, for Trump in, in 2016. Um, now, of course, that. People come back and say, "Well, look at all the the seats that voted for Trump, then turned around and you know voted for their their Democrat Congressperson." Well, I think a lot of that is not my guy, I'm not my guyism. You know, everyone else sucks except my representative. You know, right. so they vote for their, you know, they vote for them and they ran as as moderates. When even if they ran as moderates, you know that they're going to kowtow. I mean, look at this impeachment, the impeachment vote in the House. You know, kowtow to the people because they're going to come back. What I said earlier, like, well, if you don't kind of go our way, you know, you're, you're just not going to have the coffers, uh, our coffers to help you with your next election, um, which any politician, you know, their, their main thing, I think even the most junior ones is to, is to stay in power. Uh, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep your um, – and you say your name's Mike? Mike, yep. Yeah, hey, Mike. Robert. Uh, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Robert. Yeah, I just want to bring a quick point up when you get into the charity. It's the 1954 Johnson's Act where they formed the 501c3s to take away the powers of the ministries and gave them a nonprofit. And then what they did, they controlled with the charities and the organizations and the church were not allowed to feed the people. And they put restrictions on what they could and could not be doing. And now we're seeing where Trump went to an evangelistical meeting in Miami and people that don't know this Trump's mother was given a Bible when she was a a young girl and of all the children only one children's name was in the Bible itself and that was from the man who gave uh, Mrs. Uh, Trump's mother the Bible uh, was named Daniel uh, and so or Donald and so Donald's name was chosen uh, from a, a pastor uh, from Europe. So people don't realize that things are placed in motion over years and times and that the charitable and the 501c3s and our ministries today are not doing their job. And even though I have degrees in theology and education and I do a lot of things, our total government is corrupt on every standard of our sovereign states. And so the American people have to relook at who is actually formulated the Constitution under the 13 colonies. And we sent the papers of 100 pages again. You know, we're a Christian nation. And yet now under the 18, I think it was 1794, 1894, uh, where they incorporated the uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and it's still owned by the banks in Europe. So we don't have a government anymore under the Constitution. 
Yeah, they would want to uh, make comment on that before bringing in Kelly. Okay, well, I just want to uh, bring that up in just case. But let's go ahead and, uh, of course, you know, everyone's lines are still open. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you uh, tonight? Happy New Year to you. Hey, Happy New Year, too. And for some people, I guess, uh, Bah Humbug might suit them better. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, hey, Kelly. Hey. So, uh, I have a thing going on in Siskiyou County right now. I just find it amusing as a libertarian. Um, <clears throat> the county workers, there's about 50 of them, and we're a small county, 45,000 people. So 50 people were, they're on strike. And uh, the week before, the uh, newspaper came out and said, front page headline, uh, county says county services will not be, uh, here, here's what it says, County service. County says services will continue if workers strike. Okay. So, does that mean that uh, these 50 people that have a job, is your job even needed? <laughs> I mean, that's a libertarian perspective. Minimal government. So, if they take you on strike, services continue. I guess we didn't need them. Anyway, we'll see what happens if they get fired or whatever, because supposedly it might be. Somebody used to work for the county because it was in the contract. You can't strike. So it's going to be interesting. But, uh, yeah, county services continue. Maybe we don't need these people. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's just some local stuff. Um, California is going more crazy and more crazy. It's going to cost you. When you turn in house plans, it's effective January 1st. It's going to cost you fifteen to $20,000 more to build a house because the solar panels, shall have solar panels. And some other things that are uh, ridiculous. So then we'll have more homeless. Yes. And speaking of homeless, you know, I I don't uh, I don't uh, disparage liberals as much as the previous caller, I and mean, of course he's entitled to his opinion. Um, but what I have noticed is uh, on the homeless shelter here locally, there was a call in paper. Hey, homeless shelter! So much people came. There was the New Age liberal hold your hands kind of people. You know, they're nice people. I know them. Like them and stuff, and they like me, but it turned Christian, and they were out of there. Boom. We took a vote that we would be a faith-based organization, homeless shelter, and we're building the building now. And have any of these people ever showed up again to help the homeless shelter? No. So I thought that was just interesting. So, uh, anyway... Um, so yeah, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Of course, the Virginia, how many people have been watching the Virginia situation where they're threatening to order the local police to confiscate guns or that's what they're saying, but that might be over-exaggerated. There's going to be a big rally in Richmond, Virginia on the 20th, and we'll see if they still pass it. Um, it's just something to keep your eye on. Uh, what else? Oh, we decided to kill the general from Iran. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, some say the War Powers Act, some say, of course, the liberals are screaming the Constitution. <laughs> it's funny when the, their people do things like kill Anwar Awaki in uh, Yemen. Uh, Obama with drone strikes and killed a number of people with drone strikes in Yemen, but, you know, that's kind of didn't go anywhere. 
But when Trump does this, the liberals come out and they finally study the Constitution or impeachment. They study the Constitution. You know, it's just so fascinating. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, war powers. I, if we're going to get into a war, why don't we just get formal with it and have Congress declare war? Because we could have blowback. Ron Paul mentioned that a number of times. We are creating more enemies than we can kill. Yeah, blowback. But so, you know, I, the preemptive stuff is certain. I don't know. It's getting frustrating. But it was not, well, you're not saying this was preemptive. The strike on Soleimani was preemptive. We're not in a war with Iran, are we? Well, here, okay. This is why. This is what I take issue with. A lot of my libertarian friends and this guy I've been debating on on Twitter. It seems like something, and they want to throw around the word "constitution" a lot. There's something that it seems like the libertarian, and not, and, and I, I, this surprised me, Kelly, because you know you're you're our kind of you know our, our constitutional scholar here that we, we we say, and what surprises me the most about a lot of people what they seem to forget is Trump is the commander in chief. He, he can move soldiers. He can move arms. He can remember this guy was behind the attack. On our embassy, which is – an embassy, as you know, Kelly, is considered American soil. So if you extrapolate that, we were attacked on our soil. So we can't – I mean, so this wasn't a preemptive strike. This was retaliation for killing our killing our citizens. Do you mean they, the, they, uh, the Nazis? They, they attacked first. I mean, we didn't we, – well, and also – I'm finished my point. Also, Congress is the one who declares war on a nation. We didn't declare war on the nation of of Iran. We took out an enemy, you know, what you know people call an enemy combatant. Okay, he's a, a general. I mean, that's his title. He's a general. Okay, he is of the military. He is a military. He, he's a military personnel. His, one of his titles is general. He orchestrated attacks on Americans. He was personally responsible for over 600 American deaths. So we got to wait for a Congress, and this is part of my debate with that guy the other night or last night or today, or whatever. So we got to wait for Congress to declare war that is run by the Democrat Party, who will not do anything that would even remotely give a chance of making this president look good. And do we really think that the Congress is going to declare war on Iran for us to 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 get rid of this guy? He, I mean, why? I mean, tell me why. Tell me why libertarians are continually to forget that Donald Trump, as the president of the United States, is the supreme commander of our armed forces. He is the supreme commander. He is the commander-in-chief. He can move troops. He can move arms, and he can call for attacks. He can't, you're right. He, 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 now, here's the thing. He can't declare war against an entire nation, which means Trump can't say, hey, let's go carpet bomb the entire – and kill civilians in Iraq. We can't carpet bomb them. We can't, you know, can't destroy all of their infrastructure, especially, as you put it, preemptively. We can't, he can't do that. That is right. 
But what he can do as commander-in-chief is take out a general of an army that orchestrated an attack against American citizens. This not was a defensive that. attack. Not just well, that. Not just what, what you're saying. You're looking only at that one attack. It's even deeper than that. A lot of the Americans refuse to really look into the background of this general and look back into the beginnings of Hezbollah with the money going back to 1983. That general's fingerprints were on the 1983 bombing in the Marine barracks in Beirut. He was involved with that by setting up the group, the name. They changed the name of it and turned it into Hezbollah in Lebanon. Right then, when that happened, that guy that was responsible, I forget his name, Yabba Dabba Doo number two, I don't know, whatever his name was, we ended up killing him afterwards, the guy that orchestrated and put the thing together. But he worked hand in hand with this general. Going back to that, this guy has a track record. Now, also, we had intel that this guy wasn't stopping after orchestrating everything at the embassy recently over in Baghdad. He had other plans laid out for going after politicians and American military in the Middle East. That was it. That was, that was Trump's chance. This guy's got to go. This guy's got a long track record dating way, way back, but nobody looks at that. They go, yeah, it was an assassination. You know, he was a really nice guy. Have you ever had coffee with him? You should hang out together. <laughs> no, dude. You get it? No, but they don't. I mean, and and, and here's well, and and here's here's a great and, and Mike, here's a, a great you know, here's the thing. And, and let, let me throw this this at folks, and then I'll, I, you know, Kelly, want, you know, definitely want an answer on you know why libertarians and and and, and liberals and stuff seem to forget that he's commander in chief, is that. You know, you've heard this phrase, and you you know it's a biblical phrase. That, you know, but what what is that? Something like you know, if good allows evil to, uh, or, or if good doesn't do anything about evil, evil wins or or does nothing or or I, don't, I can't remember the quote, but you know where I'm getting at with that. It's Edmund Burke who said, "All it takes for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing." Yeah, well, guess what? Evil would have prospered, and let me tell you something. You know I don't use the word evil lightly because, frankly, I don't really believe in evil. But I don't use that word lightly. You know, So if there is evil, he's it, okay? That's my thought. I mean, just look, I mean, if you looked at the guy and look at all the photos that they show, now they may be showing him in the worst space that they can. But you know, the guy even looked, as I said, if you can say this person looks evil, that guy looked evil, okay? And I mean – and, and if indeed that guy was evil and good men, Trump, did nothing, this guy's going to be around to use his mind to orchestrate more killings. Now, yeah, I mean, address that if you want, but also, and, and, and Mike will bring you uh, back in, but I want the uh, Kelly to answer, you know, answer about that is why does, it, why does it seem like people are forgetting that he is the commander in chief? I mean, if you can't do anything as commander in chief, why bother being the commander in chief at all? Could I uh, go ahead and speak for a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, when I first heard of it, I, my first thought was I sure hope he had some good intel. Um, I didn't know that this guy had killed so many Americans because um, I'm watching Fox News right away and other other clips, and I'm like, they're saying all sorts of generalities and taking sides, but we're, guys, where's the facts? So if he has been orchestrating the killing of Americans on American soil that will then, you know. He's been responsible you, you for, have, for damage in Yemen, Lebanon. Um, he's, he's done a lot of damage 
in the Middle East, and he had plans to orchestrate things to go even further. Um, this man well, has been around you, for a while, yeah. and he's done a lot of damage, uh, killing a lot well, of people. Okay, well, I wish the media would have come out. Well, of course, maybe that was my mistake of watching mainstream media. So, yeah, when you got a bully in the playground, you got to deal with him. Um, that's one perspective, the War Powers Act. I did mention that kind of in the beginning, too. We haven't necessarily gone to war with Iran, but, you know, we have somebody killing Americans. Okay, well. Well, this one was a a precision target. You know, he was a target already. He'd been a target since even on Obama's terrorist list, watch list. Right. And so, you know. Jefferson sent a bunch of Marines to Tripoli because of the pirates. The pirates were really hurting American commerce, you know, imagine what pirates do in American commerce. And <laughs> that would be a fascinating study to find out what his thinking was. Um, before him, you know, Washington and Adams, Jefferson, Washington and Adams were being very passive and paying, paying uh, the Muslims at that time so they wouldn't attack the ships. Jefferson said, I've, I've had enough of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, short of Triple E, you hear the you know, Marine Corps song. So, um, you know, it would be an interesting study on that, on that justification. I just wish there would be, well, maybe it's the mainstream media. I wish there would be more facts like just presented now. Mhm. Well, then okay. It, so then Trump would might actually look like a hero. Yeah. Well, he is in a way, and I don't know under, understand why these people are so upset about the process rather than the good that was done because basically they're they're tearing down our military's morale for what they for acting on the president's orders, you know, and and, and it was a good strike. And it didn't, you know, kill anybody else that was around him. Um the man was leaving um his leaving the country and he wasn't supposed to be. He was supposed to be staying there. And so they had to strike when they did or otherwise he would have been gone. So, um, that was a United Nations you know, law, a ruling. That was a decision from the United Nations banning that guy from traveling. And he was yes. breaking it continuously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, there's another interesting fact. Okay. The reason was, yeah. the reason the United Nations passed that, that rule prohibiting him from traveling like that was the last time they caught him outright trying to get uranium to create a bomb. And it was proven. And the UN came in and they put came down with a rule saying, no, this guy's not allowed. There's a travel ban. This guy's not allowed out anymore. And they caught him. All right. So, and, and then another thing was his being involved in, remember that uh, uh, attempted assassination of a Saudi prince that was over here in the U.S.? And that was the guy, that general coordinated with who he thought was a Mexican cartel group here in the U.S. and had them, and I think they paid him. They wanted him to carry out an assassination and kill the Saudi prince that was here in, in the U.S. And it turned out that the general was negotiating with uh, a member of the FBI or CIA or something, and the plot was foiled. And representatives from law enforcement went to Congress, and they said, we suggest that you go after this guy right away. And, and get the, But nobody paid attention. See, everybody's short-term, you know what, let's just make everything comfortable. Everybody get along. We get a smile and shake hands a lot. Because we'll get along and kick that can down the road because we want to be comfortable and aren't we progressive? Oh, life is so wonderful. Look at this. There's a unicorn over there. There's long term. 
Not long to term, mention when Obama had died. taken out Osama bin Laden, they yeah. were did a photo op in the in the war room having pizza celebrating. Trump didn't do that because it's not a celebration to kill someone, no. but it had to be well, done. If if Obama could have walked away from that and not pushed the button on that one, he would have. But he knew that history would have fried his ass. There was no way mm-hmm. for him to get out of that. Yeah. He had no option, no choice. He had to do it but, because the machine had already been started way before he got into office. And mm-hmm. if he was viewed as the one in history, going down in history, that he decided not to go in because of the sovereign, well, Pakistan's a good country, they're friends of ours. Yeah, okay. He couldn't do it. He had no option. Right. Trump did the right thing. But he did have the option of celebrating afterwards with pizza in the war room, high-fiving each other. (laughs) That was sick. That's disgusting. What we need is we need somebody somebody walking through the Pentagon and the White House with a baseball bat. That's what we need, and that's what we've got right now. There's a lot lot that has to be cleaned out. These career politicians yep. and the career staffers that are out there and everything else that have become very comfortable and made millions at our expense. Mm-hmm. And it, we've had enough. And they think they know the Constitution by telling the president, you can't do this. Oh, yes, you can. And it's oh, been proven over and over in the courts over lots of things since he's become president. No, it means nothing. Constitution the Constitution means nothing to them. It's something that they can twist, manipulate, play, interpret, and interpret it. How are we going to do that? By controlling the courts. We put our yep. own activists on as judges, and we can interpret and twist and manipulate everything to fit the definition of the day. So we can play this game, and we can make millions at it uh, while doing it. And so now the judges have been replaced. It's a huge game. And, and, but people, you know, they judge it. Number one, Americans make the, the biggest mistake. All of them, everybody makes over here. They judge what's going on in the world based on our values and how we live our lives here in America. You crazy? That's the biggest mistake they can make. The Middle East yeah. is another planet, and I'm telling you this is. is uh, I mean, I'm Greek American. I speak I speak Greek, and I've got relatives that hold grudges going back to the Ottoman Empire. I was talking with one of my cousins four days ago, over in Greece, and he was telling me about my grandfather and a, a, an arrest warrant that was brought out against my grandfather uh, by the Ottoman Turks. Are you? They don't forget the hundreds of years. How are you going to do You've got Americans over here that they don't even remember when they, which PlayStation they bought and what year and what game they have. To, they have a whole different set of values. Mm-hmm. These, uh, the schools have dumbed us down. These kids don't know anything about it. And yet and the other ones, they have collective memory. <laughs> yeah. And, and, they, and they sit there, they read a couple of things, watch a couple of movies, all of a sudden they're, they're scholars and they're experts. It's like, what? So, yep. uh, you know... And, and, and they're going to make a judgment call on what's going on in the Middle East when they have no idea, anything about it. Persia, where's that? Do you know anything about the Persian history? What, what do you mean the Persian history? Do you have anything about the regions or anything over there? Kosovo. Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I, Obama said, stop. They're making these judgment calls based on what they, from what? From what they learned in American schools today that have been manipulated and controlled by the liberals? Well, we should get along, though. Can't we be nice and friendly and loving? That's how people end up bleeding. Hollywood puts out. <laughs> so now that I sound like Archie Bunker completely, sorry about that, but Jesus. I mean, you know, it, it, it's very frustrating for, I don't know, it's very frustrating for a lot of us. I've got a lot, a lot, a lot of friends. Suzette knows me. She knows that when I'm telling you this, that are 
in the military. And mm-hmm. I'd say that 20 guys over the past two days, 20 soldiers I've seen go in, and they posted on Facebook that they've been deleting people that they thought were friends of theirs, deleting them in mass, going through their lists of people that have spoken out against hitting this guy, this general. And they've deleted them off their friends list. They said, I've had it with the bullshit. These idiots have no idea. That piece of shit was responsible for the extended IED, for the enhanced IEDs that used the right. Monroe principle. They were, they were used for, it's a focused, it's, it's a shaped charge. If, you know, people don't know what that is. Okay, it's a special IED that the Iranians were supplying to the insurgents in Iraq to use against our vehicles and kill our soldiers. They were coming through him. Those special IEDs were coming through that SOB. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to get people defending themselves. Well, we don't know if we should have done that. You know, there might have been another way. The timing was all wrong. Trump did it because of the election. Stop. He did it because the opportunity was there. And we don't mm-hmm. even know if right. the Iraqis themselves are the ones that tipped him off. Say, look, this guy is landing. We're having problems. And here's your chance to get the head of the the Hezbollah, the Iraqi version of Hezbollah, the militia leader, with him in the car at the same time. Do it up. Perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. No civilians around. No other casualties that are nailed. So it was. This is a no-brainer. And yet he's being questioned by people that well, the world should be a better place, and where are the unicorns? <laughs> no. That's enough. So. Anyway. Well, I think this would be a good time. Okay, um, at this point, I'm going to uh, play, you know, mute uh, folks' mics to do an audio that I'm going to play. And just in case uh, folks, because, you know, of course, we were working. Uh, so <laughs> we probably didn't get a chance, or, or maybe at least did not get a chance to uh, hear Trump's uh, speech. It wasn't long. It was only about, you know, 10 minutes uh, and what he had to say. And in the predicting for 2020, uh, I mean, I know a lot of there's a lot of hoopla and, and, and Mike Lee, Jackass. And then um, – and others uh, who, uh, you know, are going to say, oh, hell of a terrible thing, and they're going to try to blast Trump and things. But here's my my prediction. This is actually going to be, you know, a good, I think it's really going to be a good thing, and this is why. Even with the attack, uh, you know, last night, which, you know, they bombed dirt, and <laughs> and they purposely bombed dirt. And, and unfortunately for the folks on that airplane that got killed, it's terrible. It's awful, especially since that was a colossal Mistake. I mean, it was. I mean, whether it's a mistake or not is too awful. But I mean, I mean, it didn't have to happen. It was just something that was. It was. I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, I don't think I have to miss words. Uh, but anyway, the purpose of their attack was, as you guys said, safe face. They're not that. You know, they don't get a lot of information there. You know, inside Iran. Uh, so just by them saying, "Oh, hey, look, we shot off missiles," uh, you know, they again they were bombing at dirt. Uh, I think that was bombing at dirt was purposeful, and I think you know things are going to wind down and come to the table. And, and who knows? I, l- listen to the speech, and then I'm going to get some commentary uh, I, and on as to why I think uh, this is actually going to make things look better. Because remember, and, and Trump, and remember Trump's uh, talk with Kim Jong Un, which he still is not ready to uh, you know mature and be you know be an adult. Uh, but anyway. Uh, you listen to some of the things he said that you're going to – it's going to be reminiscent of some of the things he said about uh, 
North Korea, you know, with, with Kim Jong Un feeling good, and, and and mute the mics, and we'll bring people back on, and I'll, I'll play that audio uh, from the uh, from his you know press conference speech, whatever you want to call it today. As long as I'm president of the United States, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. Good morning. I'm pleased to inform you the American people should be extremely grateful and happy. No Americans were harmed in last night's attack by the Iranian regime. We suffered no casualties. All of our soldiers are safe, and only minimal damage was sustained at our military bases. Our great American forces are prepared for anything. Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. No American or Iraqi lives were lost because of the precautions taken, the dispersal of forces, and an early warning system that worked very well. I salute the incredible skill and courage of America's men and women in uniform for far too long, all the way back to 1979 to be exact. Nations have tolerated Iran's destructive and destabilizing behavior in the Middle East and beyond. Those days are over. Iran has been the leading sponsor of terrorism and their pursuit of nuclear weapons threatens the civilized world. We will never let that happen. Last week, we took decisive action to stop a ruthless terrorist from threatening American lives. At my direction, the United States military eliminated the world's top terrorist, Qasem Soleimani. As the head of the Quds Force, Soleimani was personally responsible for some of the absolutely worst atrocities. He trained terrorist armies, including Hezbollah, launching terrorist strikes against civilian targets. He fueled bloody civil wars all across the region. He viciously wounded and murdered thousands of U.S. troops, including the planting of roadside bombs that maim and dismember their victims. Soleimani directed the recent attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq that badly wounded four service members and killed one American, and he orchestrated the violent assault on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. In recent days, he was planning new attacks on American targets, but we stopped him. Soleimani's hands were drenched in both American and Iranian blood. He should have been terminated long ago. By removing Soleimani, we have sent a powerful message to terrorists. If you value your own life, you will not threaten the lives of our people. As we continue to evaluate options in response to Iranian aggression, the United States will immediately impose additional punishing economic sanctions on the Iranian regime. These powerful sanctions will remain until Iran changes its behavior.
In recent months alone, Iran has seized ships in international waters, fired an unprovoked strike on Saudi Arabia, and shot down two U.S. drones. Iran's hostilities substantially increased after the foolish Iran nuclear deal was signed in 2013. And they were given $150 billion, not to mention $1.8 billion in cash. Instead of saying thank you to the United States, they chanted death to America. In fact, they chanted death to America the day the agreement was signed. Then Iran went on a terror spree, funded by the money from the deal, and created hell in Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, Afghanistan, and Iraq. The missiles fired last night at us and our allies were paid for with the funds made available by the last administration. The regime also greatly tightened the reins on their own country, even recently killing 1,500 people at the many protests that are taking place all throughout Iran. The very defective JCPOA expires shortly anyway and gives Iran a clear and quick path to nuclear breakout. Iran must abandon its nuclear ambitions and end its support for terrorism. The time has come for the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Russia, and China to recognize this reality. They must now break away from the remnants of the Iran deal, or JCPOA. And we must all work together toward making a deal with Iran that makes the world a safer and more peaceful place. We must also make a deal that allows Iran to thrive and prosper and take advantage of its enormous untapped potential. Iran can be a great country. Peace and stability cannot prevail in the Middle East as long as Iran continues to foment violence, unrest, hatred, and war. The civilized world must send a clear and unified message to the Iranian regime. Your campaign of terror, murder, mayhem will not be tolerated any longer. It will not be allowed to go forward. Today, I am going to ask NATO to become much more involved in the Middle East process. Over the last three years, under my leadership, our economy is stronger than ever before, and America has achieved energy independence. These historic accomplishments change our strategic priorities. These are accomplishments that nobody thought were possible. And options in the Middle East became available. We are now the number one producer of oil and natural gas anywhere in the world. We are independent, and we do not need Middle East oil. The American military has been completely rebuilt under my administration at a cost of $2.5 trillion. U.S. armed forces are stronger than ever before. Our missiles are big, powerful, accurate, lethal and fast. Under construction are many hypersonic missiles. The fact that we have this great military and equipment, however, does not mean we have to use it.
we do not want to use it. American strength, both military and economic, is the best deterrent. Three months ago, after destroying 100 percent of ISIS and its territorial caliphate, we killed the savage leader of ISIS, al-Baghdadi, who was responsible for so much death, including the mass beheadings of Christians, Muslims, and all who stood in his way. He was a monster. Al-Baghdadi was trying again to rebuild the ISIS caliphate and failed. Tens of thousands of ISIS fighters have been killed or captured during my administration. ISIS is a natural enemy of Iran. The destruction of ISIS is good for Iran, and we should work together on this and other shared priorities. Finally, to the people and leaders of Iran, we want you to have a future, and a great future, one that you deserve, one of prosperity at home and harmony with the nations of the world. The United States is ready to embrace peace with all who seek it. I want to thank you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, folks, uh, Mike's are still on. Speaking of Mike, it looks like we lost Mike <laughs> from New York. Oh, no, no, there he is. Um, I apologize. But I thought, I thought we, we, we dropped the call, but so we got everyone here. And, uh, again, to, to point out where he's talking about, hey, look, you know, Kim Jong-un, when he went to South Korea, was like, oh, man, look at this infrastructure. Look at these buildings. I mean, they can have a, a thriving economy if they, you know, hey, how about partnering with the United States? And actually building your economy and helping your people, so then that they're not just starving to death. And same with Iran. I mean, say so you could be, you know, a, a prosperous nation. Just give up this death to Iran, this death to America crap. Because let's be realistic. As Laura Ingram said, Trump's a, a realist. So Iran needs some realism and say, look, you're never, you're you're never going to death to America. You, you are never going to kill America. And all those people out there who are worried about, oh, my God, World War III, World War III, not going to happen. Trump's not going to run and get us into World War III. I mean, I mean, have people worry to worry about. Not going to happen because let's, let's be honest. The, the nations that actually have the power to start and maintain a World War III are those nations that are smart enough not to do it because they know they would be destroyed just as much. And then the nations who want to try to do it don't have the power to do it. And then if you bring in China, they are, you know, oh, what if China gets over Iraq? And, and this is the case now. Let's hope it stays in the future. But one thing we should note is the Chinese economy is dependent in a, in a lot, you know, ways for the American consumer. So China's really not, at least in the short term, going to try to cause any type of war with us because they need us to buy their stuff. I mean, flip, go in your house and flip anything over, and almost guarantee, not guarantee, but I mean, it's definitely when you pull, turn that thing over, it's going to say made in China. Seriously, almost everything you buy today is made in China. So, so they need the, the Chinese. China needs the American consumer. 
So they're not going to go to a World War Three or, oh, let's destroy the United States. Really? You're screwing yourself. And they know this. They, I mean, I, I really think they do. So this World War Three and this war stuff, it, it's, it's not going to happen. It's a scare tactic by the libs. You know, it's scare tactic by the Democrats, and they're doing projection because I always say all the Republicans are trying to scare people when we know they project, and it's actually them. You know, and and, I, and, and there's hypocrisy, just like you know, I'm on, I'm on Twitter like this guy. You know, it's like it astounds me how Trump apologists and enablers could be so surprised about Trump's desire to be a quasi dictator and bypass the U.S. Congress and U.S. Constitution. These guys, they they just throw the Constitution out like. Oh, it's a, you know, you know, that's how he acted. And he was, when did they realize? Okay, remember, it was a drone, through my understanding, that took out Soleimani. Where were these same people when Obama was doing the same thing? So by their logic, Obama had to be a dictator. Because wasn't it like, you know, to that, you know, correct me, wasn't it like Obama did it like 2,500 attacks? Or something crazy like that uh, of you know uh, attacks with drones, killing people and, and and nations all over the world. I mean, wh- where was the outrage for that? I mean, wh- do, do, I can't remember what the number is. Did that, I mean, do you remember what there? Anyone on the line remember what that number is? Or some, someone brought it up like there's like over uh, over two thousand dr- drone attacks that this guy had. Did he go to Congress every time? And say, oh yeah, I need you guys to do this to make this drone attack. I mean, how, how many drone attacks did, did Obama do without Congress consent? Every single one. <laughs> let me do it. Let me do a search. You're right. I think it was over two thousand. Um, I'm going to say twenty eight hundred. Yeah, I think it was like twenty eight hundred, and he didn't get Congress approval. No, he didn't. To the point that everybody was even – and even killed an American citizen. Remember that American citizen? But the guy, to me, renounced his citizenship the minute he joined in and started working with the terrorists. And I think he became an imam or something, some American. Remember that? And there was a big thing where uh, some of the – some people were taking yeah. him on saying, what, what is Obama doing? He's killing an American citizen with a drone. Well, no, the guy was a combatant at that, at that time, at that point. So I don't consider him an American anymore. You know, he's fighting with the enemy against us, and, and you think this guy, what, you want to see him collect his Social Security? Get out of here. No. No. I know, I know. Look, there's a unicorn. I know. Okay, all right, I get it. <laughs> it's like, you know, all of these people, the complainers and everything else, America, we should start a, we should start a program. I mean, we did it for the for the widow's, uh, back after World War One, you know there was the uh, the widows uh, pilgrimage that Congress paid for to send the mothers and widows of soldiers that were killed in World War One and send them over to Europe to see where their sons and their husbands were buried. We should do the same sort of thing for a lot of the liberals. Send them over to Syria. Send them over to the northern part of Iraq. Let them see firsthand who these people are that they're defending. Let them deal with them. Let them meet them. I don't know how many of them will come home, but let them see. That would be a hell of a reality TV show. There you go. You know? 
Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and uh, what's her name? Talib Rashid, whatever her name is. Let them go over there and deal with it. They won't. Because they're too paranoid. They won't. Prove to us. Move to the Middle East and have, sit down and have a round table somewhere. Let's see how that works out for you. Meet with some of the ISIS representatives. See if they can turn your head or cut it off. Yeah. Um, you know, you're right. Obama did a lot. I mean, it, but they don't look at that because that was authority that they controlled. He was one of their own. So that doesn't count. That doesn't matter. Did you see no, how yeah, paranoid exactly. they were? That, that they shut down the Selective Service, the website? Because all the, all the liberals and the feel-goods and everybody were out there going, oh, my God, Selective Service, I heard they're going to come back in. There's going to be a war that they inundated the website, Selective Service, so much they flooded it, looking at it, that they ended up shutting down the website. They couldn't respond anymore. That's how freaked out they were. You don't see them posting, but you see them searching. Yeah. That's the paranoia. Not me. Oh, I can't go over. Oh, my God. What are they doing? Oh, that evil Trump. He's going to send me to war? No, really, we're better off without you. Stay home in your mother's basement and play video games or get out there with your service. Yeah, 28. Here it is. Boom. 2,800. Here's an article I'm going to send to this guy. Here's an article I found. um, CurioJournal.com. It's an opinion piece, but still, I mean, it has information in it. It says, I spent the last 20 uh, or so New Year's Eve glued to the sci-fi channel Twilight Zone Marathon. My wife, blah, 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 Okay. It says, the year of 2017, Donald Trump has inaugurated the president of the United States, and a mass amnesia has washed over America. Half the country can no longer remember anything that happened before January 20th. The former president, Barack Obama, is literally sitting right there, yet his own party cannot remember one thing about his eight years. It is one of the strangest phenomena of the Trump area, the memory holding of Obama's executive powers. Democrats continuously act as if they've just fallen off the Washington turnip wagon when Trump does anything. Trump's illegal immigration policies are draconian. He's deporting too many, they scream, forgetting that Obama deported more, a lot more. And you know those cages on the southern border? Obama built them, not Trump. Trump's defying congressional subpoenas. No president has ever stonewalled Congress, they scream. Forgetting that Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, was held in contempt of Congress for defying subpoenas relating to the Fast and Furious scandal. There was at least eight uh, other times when uh, Obama's administration defied congressional oversight, even preventing people from testifying. Sound familiar? When Trump announced his American First policy during his inauguration, Democrats apparently took it as as literally as one can. Now they howl over Trump's latest outrage, the airstrike that killed Iranian terrorists. Uh, Kasim uh, Soleimani, who was Iraqi, uh, was in Iraq for many attacks against America's embassy and eventually plotting future hits on America targets. Washington Democrats whined about Trump authorizing a drone strike without their notification or consent. This after Obama authorized at least 2,800 drone strikes in Iraq and Syria without con- congressional approval. You know, so I mean, seriously, they're freaking hypocrites. I mean, seriously, that's a great article. I'll tell you what. Um, seriously, I mean, they do. It is. It's like it's mass true. amnesia. It's true. So I, I got a question for you guys on Soleimani, or however you pronounce his name. Um, was he a part of the official Iran government, but then he was 
going out on his own with terrorist groups? No, no. He was the equivalent of everything from the CIA to the Pentagon Joint Chiefs to the. This is like the number two man in control. He answered only to one person, Khomeini. This guy controlled their Revolutionary Guard or whatever they want to call it, the Quds Force. He was also their main negotiator and the person that was involved with any foreign relations with all of these countries that are around there. There was except for the ones that he completely burned. But then again, Sunnis and the Shias don't get along. So he didn't really care about Saudi Arabia. He was afraid of them because he knew that Saudi Arabia in 2017, there's an article in the New York Times about that, that Saudi Arabia was plotting to murder him outright. They hated the guy. And that's fact. But that didn't stop the propaganda from the prime minister who's pro-Iranian, the prime minister of Iraq, as soon as this happened and the guy was hit, what did he come out with? He addressed, he addressed Parliament, if you remember, and that was only a couple of days ago, so you've got to remember this, where the prime minister of Iraq got up in front of the Iraqi parliament and said that, no, that general was there for peace negotiations to de-escalate issues between Saudi Arabia and, and Iran. Wait a minute. The whole problem here was about the American embassy and it had nothing to do with Saudi Arabia. Why would he be? What are you talking about? In the middle of a, a shitstorm that's about the American embassy and the Iraqi version of Hezbollah militia being sent there by the general to go after the American embassy. And, every, and now you're saying that the general's coming there to help discuss de-escalation between Saudi Arabia and you think the Saudi Arabians would want to sit at a table or have anything to do with negotiations that this general that they wanted to kill has to do with? Who's dreaming this up? But it, it was something that the liberals here in America and all the whiners could say, oh, that evil Trump, look what he did. Oh, that poor general, he was a nice guy. He was trying to make everybody happy. Look at the unicorn. No! But they believed it. It was nothing but a lie. And then I, I posted this and outlined it for a bunch of the guys on, on one of the discussion, closed discussion panels. And I had liberals attack me and say outright, are you accusing the prime minister of Iraq of lying? Uh, yeah, I am. Well, that doesn't fit my reality here, so I'm not going to listen to you anymore. You're an orange person uh, supporter. No. We're dealing with cult members that are blind, that don't want to look at the facts the way we are doing at it. We're doing it, we're looking at it, digging it down to the nuts and bolts and looking at how the machine worked to analyze it, not based on what NBC or CNN tells us. We're looking at history to help us outline it. Not what CNN tells us today. Oh, so, so, too. so I'm, I'm, I'm going back to my question uh, because I don't understand the chain of command of the Iranian government. So the top leader of Iran, Khomeini, Khomeini, still there. He's been, right. he's been there a long time. All right. So he, um, Soleimani reports to Khomeini. Right. Is it possible that Soleimani just kind of went rogue and then uh, Khomeini no. just kind of looked the other way? No, there's no way. Now we're dreaming to make an excuse for him to try to uh, no, make not, an excuse not, for the Iranians. Possibility. Yeah, no, so we just, there's no way. Right, 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 right. So we just said, we just said to the Shah of Iran, knock it off. Your no, no, the Shah's been gone. The Shah of Iran's been gone for years. We were the, we were the ones that uh, actually put the Shah in. 
That was one of the reasons. That was the main reason that they were fucking. They were pissed off at us because the CIA and everything manipulating, putting the Shah in and supporting the Shah against the Iranian people, and they overthrew and took our embassy over. They wanted the Shah out. That's what kicked the Shah out of the country. If you remember. Well, yeah. Okay. I I don't remember. I don't know much about Iran. Sorry, I'm admitting okay. it. All right. All right. Oh, no admit. problem. All right. Okay, but everything, so, every policy from Khomeini and from the Khomeini's, the original one, the original Ayatollah that was in there when they did, when they did the takeover of the embassy, he's dead. So the next one comes in. These are religious leaders because that country is ruled by its religious government, theocracy. It's it's ruled by their warped version of their Islam, whatever the hell they they believe. I don't know whatever they believe in. It's religion. So uh, so now he he follows the policy of, of that Ayatollah, and he's very much in control of that. And there was one article that was in there. It was, a, it was an older article that said that all of the generals and other the high representatives that are in the, uh, the government in Iran have made a lot of money for themselves through business and back uh, deals and the corruptions, because the government is very corrupt over there, except for this general. This general was not a religious fanatic. Because they asked, it was a, a report on the guy, they said, you know, and they were asking representatives from the Iranian government, is he a religious type person? No, he's not at all, but he's a nationalist. He has a lot of his belief and everything he's done is, is driven by his belief in Iran, a fanatic, a nationalist. But now he answers to and is supported at a million percent and was made incredibly rich by the Ayatollahs. They took care of him. They handed, he didn't have to go making any backroom deals or anything else. They made him very, very wealthy. Now, also, he had his own money that he controlled and his own network that he controlled. And if you read the background on how this guy worked, he armpitted everything. He didn't like sharing information. He was hands-on. This guy would fly in and out of areas. He was always, especially over in Syria, because he was very active with, with supporting Hezbollah and creating the faction over there that was supporting Assad and dealing with Assad and also financing Assad with some of the money that was cut loose by Obama. Now, the minute he was hit, that created, there's an article out there also, they're analyzing it, about a, a fraction. There was a crack that appeared in uh, the Syrian government now because they're worried. Because now, since we more or less stepped aside in Syria, we're still there. But we're, we're not active like we were. So the main players are Turkey, Turkey, Syria, Russia, and uh, the Iranians. But now the main supporter for Assad was Iran. Now that he's dead and all those connections and everything else go with him, now Russia is the main major power that's over there. And Russia's in there mostly because they've got two Navy bases that are in Syria that they have leases for. They don't want to lose those or have them threaten those Navy bases. Turkey doesn't care. Turkey cares about its bottom border, and they're more worried about the Kurds. They wanted that buffer zone. America, we're, we've taken possession of those Syrian oil fields, turned them over to the Kurds, and Syria, you sell the oil, and you make the money to help finance your country state that you want to build. So this is, creates a real problem over in Syria now that he's gone because he was the main power broker for a lot of that stuff. But he's been active with a lot of this, a lot of this uh, the fighting and everything, going back to the embassy with the Iranians. It's not like, I mean, it's bizarre. I was talking with somebody the other day. 
in Vietnam, South Vietnam, we were over there. We were fighting in the jungles. You know how many South Vietnamese died, North Vietnamese died, the carpet bombing we did. I mean, what went on and everything. And now look at us. We calmed things down. We've got a normal relationship with them. I had friends that went on their vacation last year. They're over there telling me how wonderful the country is and everything else. You can't do that with a Muslim country that's run like this. You can't. Because they're driven, they're driven completely. It's a whole different mentality and different set of values. Their religion comes first, and it's a dictatorship by the Ayatollah. So it's not like we were in there bombing and they have a history of us in there and everything else. No, they don't. What did we do? We manipulated other generations way before any of us. Manipulated something which was wrong. Okay, but that we're not them. They don't care. They're going to hold grudges against us because why? Because we get that flag, that American flag. I'm sorry, we're not going to change it. Times change, people change, grow up. So here's here's an interesting. Uh, I just looked up the politics or the government structure of Iran. Okay, so it says Iran is a republic in which the president or the president, the parliament, and judicial system have, share powers. Reserved the national government according to its constitution. The politics of Iran take place in a framework that officially combines elements of theocracy and presidential democracy. The December 1979 constitution and its 1989 amendment defines the political, economic, and social order of the Islamic Republic of Iran, declaring that Shia Islam is the Iran's official religion for around 90 to 95% of Iranians' associates themselves with the Shia branch of Islam. Um, it, Iran has a democratically democratically elected president and a parliament or a majlis, majlis and assembly of experts which select the supreme leader and local councils. According to the constitution, all candidates running for these positions must be vetted by the guardian council before being elected. Um, so, quite fascinating. So, the supreme leader Ally Khamenei. So that's what I'm wondering is if Khamenei, uh, the president, is Hassan Khamenei. Rouhani. Khamenei. Rouhani. Khamenei. Ally Khamenei. Khamenei. Yeah. That's the supreme leader, which is the theocracy, democracy. Picture thing. like the Pope. Picture like the Pope. Oh, okay. That would be their Pope. Oh, okay. okay. Right. So he, okay. So we have the president. The president is Hassan Rouhani, Speaker of Parliament, and we have a Chief Justice. And uh, so if they want to retaliate with the force of their government, that's going to be one thing. But if there are radical factions within Iran, we they can are. be hit. By, they, so are there are radical. Radical they, they are. They are radical themselves. They yes, are, radical. You See, you, you can't you can't negotiate with a radical with any religious fanatic. Uh, people keep thinking well, that again. Yeah. They don't. They judge it by you're not going. You're not going to. You can't buy them off or anything. They're driven by a whole different set of guidelines that we don't understand. And did you ever see? Did you did you ever see some of the videos from even World War II to take a look at fanatics? On Saipan, take a look on YouTube. Go to Saipan and take a look at some of the videos of the women with their children jumping off the cliffs rather than deal with being captured by American soldiers when Saipan fell. Yeah, because they were yeah. driven. They, have, they, have a, they were 
They had a living God. Their emperor in Japan was a living God. And they right. were told that we were going to eat them. We were monsters and that that's it. And so committing suicide was better. Now, the, the Muslims, even though they pride themselves on it and they think they're fanatics, they were nowhere near the amount of fanatics that the Japanese were in World War II. You know, when we took Baghdad, when, when Saddam fell, did you see any Iraqi women jumping into the rivers and drowning themselves with children? No. No, no. No, that didn't happen. No, so forget it. But the Japanese, they were willing to do that stuff. The Kamikaze right. plane, they were willing to do it. They were, and they had motorboats that were set up where civilians would have jumped in those motorboats loaded with explosives to go after our boats if we dared invade them. It was, it was involved. But anyways, so you're dealing with religious fanatics. It's a whole different world. And Americans don't get that. They don't understand that. You, you, there's only one way to have diplomacy and deal with you know, religious fanatics like this. And, and what you're left with at the end is the smell of cordite. Well, yeah. So, the I guess the question is if there well there has been another there was a and I found this out last night very very late in the morning but uh, um, the Iranians whether it be a, a faction not under control of the government or sanctioned by the Iranian government they sent some missiles uh, I think one of our bases but the missiles didn't do squat to um, our installations of it. We already said that. The articles that are out there where the Iranians warned the Iraqis and warned America that they were going to be sending those missiles. This is already public. This is out there. That's right. So I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking is, is there, was Salonini a part of the actual government or part of the out of control militia government? Is who? Salonini, the guy who just got wiped and killed by Trump. He was the number two. He was the number two that answered only Khomeini. And so they might have on paperwork and everything that you're reading, yes, we have a legitimate government. Look, we've got a parliament. No, that guy over there, he's the official minister of interior. And the guy over there, Abadaba number three, he's in charge of all camels. Isn't that fantastic? Great. He's in the three-piece suit, Western style. But in reality, everything is down to the whim of the Khomeini, of the religious leader, the supreme leader. What right. he says I mean, goes. So it doesn't matter what type of title you give it. I'm, I'm a member of parliament. I, as long as Khomeini likes you, yeah, okay, good for you. And this is a, this is exhibited. If you really start studying, like the uprisings, the two big uprisings they've had over the years. Oh, the recent one. There was a letter that was sent, and this is all on the internet too. A letter that was signed and sent by Soleimani to the president saying that if you don't deal with the uprisings and put them down right now, I will do it with the military, and that'll even question whether you're staying in power. Oh, my gosh. So he threatened Hassan Rouhani, right. and he went but to Khomeini for the authorization to do what he did. Yeah, this is all. He does what Khomeini tells him to do. He answers to Khomeini. Oh, my gosh. In other words, Trump has to deal with two leaders. <laughs> Rouhani and well, Khomeini. You know, no, because the, the general was a spokesman for Khomeini. Whatever Khomeini if, if he had it right, what would have been great, would have been fantastic to take out Khomeini. You know what I was hoping, to tell you the truth, if we ended up doing like the 52 targets, the way Trump said it, one of the targets should have been their nuclear testing uh, laboratory, whatever, their facilities. Take it out. That way we don't have to worry about it for another 20 years of negotiating because that would have set them back. 
completely flatten it. It's not an issue again. And the other one, take out the building where Khomeini and the rest of these religious fanatics are. Take it out. Well, there was talk. There was talk a few months ago about the Israelis talking about the nuclear facility, which would pull us into a war because we have a a treaty with Israel, and so a war could go back between Iran and Israel, we would jump in. We wouldn't have to declare war because, well, our allies and treaties, etc. So then, you, yeah, well, you'd have a whole different dynamic. Yeah, I mean, if if they did something and we would have had to kick in that 52 targets, it would have been, a, but they would have had to have done something first. And that's why they were very careful oh, yeah. with warning us. That they but that's why, what they knew was going to happen, that's why they made sure no one was killed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, because they knew. See, everybody keeps saying, you, you keep thinking that Iran, it's a powerhouse. They have weapons. They have – take a look at the size of Iran. Take a look at the size of the United States, the size of Russia, the size of China. We're Major players like us, the Chinese, the Russians, we have the ability to sit at a distance and put another country like Iran back into the Stone Age within a matter of hours. And that's not hurting any of the, any of the, or the majority of the civilians there. You could take out satellite communication, all their cell phones, all their power, their infrastructure completely, water, power, transportation. The Air Force, the last time we went after them, we sank half of their Navy within a matter of hours. Half. You picture what we do this time. I don't even know if we'd leave a rowboat left for them. They know that. They know they had no choice. But everybody sits back and these, these armchair tacticians, and they don't get it. We've got technology that would – now, we don't even have to set boots on the ground. We could sit there and say – and ban, tell the rest of the world, no flights in or, out of, in or out of Iran. I'm sorry. And then also, we've got satellites monitoring borders and everything else. We've got drones. Start flying drones over all the borders and everything. We've got enough ships and everything ever in the air. We could control everything from their airspace to who's driving on their roads. How long would it take before the past two uprisings where people said, okay, we've had enough? And this is all because of what? Because of Ahmed, Mohammed, who wants to meet Allah, is doing this to us and took on America, and now look at us. We've got no lights, no running water, there's no food, no... That's it, we're done. These guys got to come out of office, I want our life back. There would be a revolt and an up... We don't even have to step foot in the country and do it. If we wanted to do that, we could have. We could have done it. And, 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 let's, and, and let's, we'll keep the mics open, and then it's the top of the hour, so don't, uh, uh, don't leave your mics uh, shut down. Cause if so, uh, uh, hello in the chat. Uh, I, I haven't been able to chance to look at it. I've been uh, doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff here, uh, just replying to people about this uh, Mike Lee tweet. Uh, still, it's amazing how many, you know, well, it's not really amazing, but let's go ahead and uh, bring in John to get his perspective. And, and, and since we're in vain of, of in the vein of, of tonight's show, the prediction is, I think that's it. I mean, I, I mean, I, at this point, I think that that's it. I don't think we're going to see um, any more attacks. I don't think we're going to see anything from Iran. I don't think we're going to see anything more military from Trump. And I was talking, I think the news is that tonight where I can even see where, who knows, maybe by the – by years out, you, who knows? You might have a uh, you might have a meeting scheduled with Trump and the Ayatollah Khomeini <laughs> by the end of the year. Wouldn't that be something to be done uh, uh, before the election? Say, you know what? I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. You're right. 
Now, I want to, and after we bring John in, I want to uh, bring up at the top of the hour is, of course, we know the uh, we'll have other weeks to talk about this too. But we also want to touch base on two things. One is uh, the Trump doctrine. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, since I think we're in, in bed with that. And then also uh, one of the things I like to bring up is what are some of the things we think that Trump should be talking about uh, in the upcoming uh, the upcoming State of the Union address. Uh, so I, you know, I like to certainly uh, bring you know bring some of those things up. Uh, and, and it kind of you know, it's kind of fun to see if he, if he does, you know, and, and how he approaches it. Uh, but that's at the top of the hour. And again, uh, don't let the uh, the my, your your phone die because if you do, unfortunately, you will not be able to call back in after the the top of the hour, which is now. Uh, so make sure those phones are not charged. But let's go ahead and bring in John. Uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, you mean it's too late for him to call three four seven nine four five? What is it? Seventy. Seven four two. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, is we just we just hit the top of the hour. So I'm wasting my time trying to talk sense to the liberals. But go ahead. We got left. It's just us. Yeah. Well, hey, I think you probably know where I'm coming from. The standpoint, I don't like setting up presidents just because the fact that President X got away with it doesn't mean President Y should be getting away with it. To me, this falls into one of those suspicious activity type things that I want to be looking at more details. Because remember, Operation Norwood, Operation Mockingbird, Operation Tradewind, MK Ultra, Thin Thread, Cointel Pro, Paperclip, Pathfinder, Maven, Overlord, Trailblazer, Ajax, Sunshine, Chrome Dome, you know, Stargate, Stellar Wind. It, it all it doesn't end. Operation Hammer. They've all been deceptive manipulations of the deep state, captains of industry, military-industrial complex, manipulating our congressmen and the foreign entities in order to bait us to be distracted to certain things while they can consume other things and manipulate us in continuing to break us down and to not demand our power. Because you you were saying about uh, how – what is Senator Lee and Senator Rand Paul are now complaining. I don't think they're complaining about the fact that this guy died. I think everybody probably agrees this guy was a miserable individual, just like Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden. The problem is what's the problem? We continue to milk toast our accountability to we the people because it's you and me or you and me's children or you know family members that's going to be put in these wars to be accountable and when you go into a briefing when the people that are supposed to be briefing you on the details about the data start making excuses oh don't question that we don't need any kind of you know division here well, you just no, we don't. We go John. John, we don't. We the people, so we the people could actually be free people and self-governing. So you okay, John, we're, 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 us oh, to legislate. I, I, I knew this. You're right, John. I knew you. You're, you're, you're right, John. I knew this was coming, and I'm ready. Okay, because here's the thing. Yeah. One, there's no way in hell we could have got a referendum to attack this guy. Two, and I'm going to say something that might piss off a lot of people. The concept of Congress declaring war, I think the time for that is dead. It doesn't apply 
to how war is done now. It just it just doesn't for for multiple reasons. One is it used to be where you literally if you wanted to get the bad guy, yeah, you, you pretty much had to go inside the nation with massive massive amounts of military in order to take out the enemy. It used to have to do that because this guy's going to maybe not be on the front lines or he's not going to be in the war. Let, let's say for Hitler, like you know, Hitler, you think that, you know we were going to have one, one one little thing come in and get Hitler? No, because we didn't have the war mechanism to be able to do that. And so, in order to have mass armies go into a nation, go into people's neighborhoods, go into the fields, go into the into the land in order to get to the enemy, you had to do that. You had to have mass amounts of military forces and power go into a nation, and so. In order to do that, you're going to have to declare war to get to the bad guy. You don't have to well, do I'm that a, anymore. Hold on. Can I say I agree with you? Well, hold on. Let, let me finish my point. It doesn't have to be done anymore. Two, okay, it used to be where when we had an enemy of the nation, we would come together without leaks, without traitorous people in our actual government who were, in my opinion – well, you know, in my opinion, are damn near close to aiding and abetting the enemy. And yes, I'm talking about treason. Within our very government, representatives doing this, that used to not exist, at least not to the extent of or in leaking. Holy shit! Who's to say that they would have warned Congress and then Congress wouldn't have warned? You know, said, "Hey, we got we got some uh, a drone coming out to kill this guy. You might want to make you know might want to get put him inside a crowd somewhere or something." War is not like the when the way it was. It's just not. And we what? also do still have where people again that I mentioned. People need to understand it is within the Constitution for the president to be the commander in chief. I mean, why even bother giving that power if there's nothing to, if he can't do anything? I mean, he's not declaring war against the nation. We're not coming in and wiping out a nation. Like we used to do in World War One, World Thank War Two, and every other damn war prior to that. That that doesn't I heard happen. You say that earlier in the show. Yeah. Yeah, that that doesn't happen it, anymore. So we, I, I, I think it's a, I, I think them declaring war for us to actually do something in our own defense. It, it, it's a dead concept. Okay. I agree with you. War is different. It's more guerrilla warfare nowadays, and it's going to be predicated on a whole lot of other factors in the sense of the digital age and the mass surveillance spying is now heavier than ever. But what you, what I want you to understand is everything you – or I'm hoping that I can communicate effectively with you – is that everything you were talking about is getting authorization before the fact. What I spoke to – was the fact that after the fact, when they were going into the briefing in order to get information, in order to make sure that the people stayed accountable to uh, the administrators and managers that are working on our behalf and governing, are going to be responsible for the accounting to we the people. So now we have a small oligarchy of the elect of the uh, executive branch treating. The congressmen and senators who are representatives of supposedly of us, 
treating us the way the representatives have been, I mean, treating the representatives, congressmen and senators, the way congressmen and senators have been representing us like pimps represent the prostitute. And that two bads never makes a right. And if you continue to perpetrate that president, you know, replace the S-I with C-E because it's precedent and continue to argue, well, if ex-president in the past got away with it, then the president today should get away with it. Well, next thing you know, we're continuing to be run as legislative slaves where they continue to make the rules without your free person, you know, being a free person and being able to self-govern because now they set the values, morals, ethics, and principles. And you, and this is just another one of these um, flat what you call them, false flag programs like Northwood, Mockingbird, and all those that I mentioned earlier, Thin Thread and whatnot, where they get to test the fortitude of the American people to find out whether they're going to stand up and be accountable or they're going to be sheeple being led to slaughter. And just because I voted for Trump and I agree with him blowing this guy's head off or whatever doesn't mean that the next people that are in our government are going to be doing what we like. And therefore, you're actually perpetrating this everybody does what's right in their own eyes. So the next group of people that don't like what Trump's doing, they're going to start using IEDs, blowing up Trump's properties. Or like the government right now, if you look at the people in Congress, in our Senate, and on the House floor and stuff, they're passing laws about all of this activity and targeting you, uh, particular people, calling them in and be combatants and stuff, because they're tired of having to look at all these bullet holes coming through government buildings because they don't want you to be able to have the right to self-govern and dictate your burdens and encumbrances. They want you to continue to be their legislative slaves. So they want to use that as a flag operation in order to better uh, justify we get to control your weapons and stuff because they want to hide behind the secrecy of classified cloak, you know, of secrecy, cover them for their nefarious action so they can continue to manipulate you without having to be accountable to you for their actions. And that's all that that, um, Senator Lee and Senator... And you've heard. Let me finish. Okay, they, they sat. Okay, they sat them down. Okay, they here. They here. They sat them down. Jumping all over. John, John. They 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 sat him down for an hour and fifteen minutes. They gave him information. They asked questions. You you weren't there, and neither was I. Well, I mean, we don't know the full contents of what this meeting was. All we got so far, uh, you know, in the context of this show, and maybe if people are looking up other things while we're we're talking. Is a minute a, a, a minute thing of Mike Lee bitching about not getting enough information, you know, not, about not getting enough information. I doubt he was the only one in the room, so I'm sure we're going to hear from other people. We are getting his Hold opinion. Well, wait, hold on. One guy's opinion. We'll get more. But my thing is, is like, I, I mean, I, I'm no intelligence agent. I'm just, you know, hey, an American citizen. But frankly. What is there? I mean, my question is: Is what are they getting so upset about? What is there to tell? You had an opportunity. Seriously, wait, hold on. Bro, hear me out. You're still hold on, hear me point. out, John. John, they're in stop. on the Machiavellian John, scam. John, John, I'm going to mute your mic. Let me call. Don't interrupt me. The wingman playing the con artist to the other guy in order to can keep you and I tricked. 
I really hate doing that, but you know, I'm not. I I I want to be able to get a point out, and, and this even happens to me at work. I hate when people interrupt me when I'm trying to make a point. Okay. Now my thing is, is what do we need? I mean, seriously, the guy. There was an opportunity to kill the guy. Okay. You have to take it when it's there, because you don't know when the opportunity is. Again, I mean, how many videos have we seen of this Soleimani guy? Well, he's in crowds, and you know, you know, not just John, but all the other people out there, you know that if Trump was, did this attack, and if a bunch of civilians got killed, holy crap, could you imagine? Only, only this guy and one other guy, through my understanding, got killed in this attack. You gotta take attacks when you have the opportunity. What the hell else do we need to know? Seriously, I mean, seriously, it doesn't matter. I mean, logically, in my opinion, it does not matter. He needed to be right. taken out. The opportunity presented itself. We took him out. Period. What the hell else right. did they want? Uh, you know, I, you know. Well, because you know, I hate to do. It. I mean, I, I, you know, mute him. John's mic, they kept talking over me, and, I, and you know, I had how anybody talks over anybody on this show, and I didn't like that for years, and I was trying to make my point, but the thing is, is you know, who, who, who cares? I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people who do, but I mean, here's the facts. I think they're, I think they're trying to dig into minutiae. Frankly, I think Mike Lee just went to get camera time, but there was an opportunity to take this guy out, John. You have to take it when you can. Because who knows when, if ever, you ever get the opportunity again, especially since this guy's always in crowds or he's in the safety of, Iraq, of Iran. Where, remember, he wasn't supposed to be out of Iran in the first place. So he was actually you know, disregarding the United Nations. Okay? But you have to do it. You can't, you can't run the Congress and say, hey, we got this guy. He's probably going to be out of our sights within 20 minutes. We got to take this guy out now because in 20 minutes that opportunity's gone. You certainly can't go to the American people and say, "Hey guys, what do you think about this? We got this terrorist guy, and we need to kill him." But we want to see what the American people are going to think first. And 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 then we'll say, he's long gone. And that opportunity to take the guy out there. Military operations like this have to be done when the opportunity arises. I don't uh, know what the thing is like. Yeah, I'm the military person. I'm not a congressman. I'm just, you know, one single American citizen. But the thing is, is with this Congress people who are sitting high on their pedestal, and they're only one of what, 300 and something, 400 and something, five, whatever the damn number is. But my point is, is that what else besides we had an opportunity to take out a terrorist who's got American blood on his hands? Because here's the difference, John. Because they're like, well, what if they were to do that to us? Where's the provocation? This guy has killed or been responsible for killing at least 600 American citizens, soldiers. I mean, they, he, we've you got need to just we, – we, we, we've – real quick, well, in a minute. We've got just cause to do it, okay? Uh, I mean, so – oh, well, what if the other person wants to try to do it? Well, then they'll have to explain themselves. 
what, there's no reason to explain why we did it. We know why we did it. We know why we had to do it at that point of time. What the hell is there to explain? Someone tell me, either yourself, John, or anyone else on this panel, what did the people who attacked and killed Soleimani besides we had an opportunity, we took it, done? What besides that did they have to explain? Some people, it bothers them. They try to make a comparison between uh, what Obama did and everything. To, and we're not trying to justify it by making the comparison. We're mentioning the fact that Obama did all this to expose the hypocrites that are out there. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about, I'm talking about with John. I mean, John's but, stating that, oh, my well, gosh, we should, and, and a, lot of your lib, a lot of my libertarian friends are saying that, oh, my gosh, we should have never done this. Well, why? What explanation do we owe these the, the Congress people? It needed to be done. Yeah. It was done. I think people overcomplicate things. They needed to be yeah, done. It do. was done. Move on. This is simple. This is and and who we're gonna we're gonna count on people like AOC and uh, Omar and the rest of them that are in there that you think they're gonna comprehend or are they gonna side with what's right the right thing to do here? No. Can't trust their judgment on anything on this because this is military related. It's already we already have more than enough proof for years of who this guy, this murderer was, and this was an opportunity and we had to take it. And God only knows how many American lives are saved in the future by doing this. This was a good move. So yeah, so John, I mean, I, I mean, I really do want to one no, but I mean, I mean, I mean, besides the, the same argument that we have in every show, discuss every show, because I mean, I think a lot of stuff that you think would be good, I just don't think it's feasible. I just don't think how we can feasibly enact it. But I mean, what what this is a succinct question with a succinct answer is other than this guy needed to be taken out. We had the opportunity. We took. What else do these Congress people need to know? That they're 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 so upset they weren't they're so upset that they weren't briefed on. I mean, what what else do you think they should have known other than okay, he needed to be killed. We had an opportunity to kill him. We killed him. If we don't ask the proper questions from the under what the are those proper questions? Tell me, John. The, uh, tell me what the proper questions are. Like what? Tell me. Ask. Tell me what one of those questions would be. Why is it? That our congressman now, I know you're going to filibuster me, so I'm going to do my best to try to engage on this, because you keep talking about it from one particular standpoint that is not even the standpoint that I've introduced. Okay, just John, what is the question? What would be the question that they would have that what they want answered? They being who in your mind? The, the Congress. Let's say let's say you have let's say you have representative. Pretend you're representative Mike Lee. Pretend that you're him. Put yourself in Mike Lee's position. What would you ask the people at the debriefing? See that this is the hard part that is distracting to me. It's more about you and me as the actual principal sovereigns of our own governing. Yeah, but the, John, you're not answering. Is, please, John, answer my I question. Am, I am. Just because I didn't answer you right off the top with the first five words that came out of my mouth doesn't mean I'm not going to answer you. Senator Lee is an actor in a scam to defraud the American people. As you heard me say on previous shows before, Rob – 
I said we should have got rid of Senator Lee back in 2016 when he stood up in the RNC um, Rules Committee and told everybody they needed, as a delegate, you needed to vote your conscience. And and his implication was that he wanted everybody to vote for Ted Cruz and not for Donald Trump. And I was saying, hey, this guy spouts off about being constitutional, but he's undermining it with his votes all the time. And that's on in recorded video, audio video. Go to C-SPAN, you know, dot org and look it up. July. Of okay, but but what about what about hold on, hold on. Let's let's go. Hold, hold on, Mike. Go, go ahead, John. I'm answering your question. Why why should why should Mr. Senator Lee do this? Because the captains of industry help maintain his funds for his campaign and him living a luxury by defrauding you and me in order for them to continue to maintain power. And now, because they want to continue to consolidate power into the control hands of certain small oligarchy of people with inside this group of administrators and managers that most people call the government, government but they're not the government all of we the people 100 percent of us are the government they are the administrators and managers they're not the rulers they're not the leaders that's that perverted interpretation that everybody keeps talking about so they he has a conflict of interest with you and me because now he wants to play the bad guy like abbott and costello the wingman to to the military industrial complex in manipulating you and I by playing this scam to divert our attention from the reality that they just um, subverted our authority again. Okay, John, John, stop. Okay, John, how did they they – god damn it. How did they usurp our authority? I don't – seriously, how did they do that? Because I mean, how how did how did they do that? And then and again, you're you're going far off of what my question was. My but question you're not was asking the right questions to get to the heart no, of, no, the okay, of the Okay, okay, okay. Give me give me a John 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 John. Give me a one. Give me give me a one sentence question that if you were Mike Lee, that you would ask the people in the debriefing. One Are you sentence. covering up for these phonies or something? Do you got a backdoor deal that you're scamming with? Because you're not asking proper questions. But, uh, and what huh? questions should they be asking instead of you're not asking proper questions? What should those proper questions be? No, I said you're not asking proper questions to me. No, I'm asking you questions to answer about, about the what? I theater to defraud you and me. So they're playing their role. You're just not seeing the Machiavellian scam of the, you know, Kabuki. So okay, answer me this, John. Succinctly, succinctly, answer me this. How does killing Soleimani play into that plan? Succinctly, not a long thing. Succinctly. How does how does killing how how does killing a terrorist who is responsible? Yeah. How how is Killing Soleimani, playing into, I guess, the people who rule the world's, I, 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 you know, plan. I mean, other than other than killing this guy because he's got blood on his hands, American blood on his hands. What other purpose would there be for to kill him? You have to ask the captains of industry that part of the question. I have my well, because it's, I don't, John, John, I don't have to. 
I don't have to ask the He's captains of industry because He's I know why they killed him. They ki- John, John, they ki- John, they killed him because he was a terrorist. He was a terrorist. That's why he died. He was orchestrating. He was orchestrating the death. He was orchestrating the death of American lives. That's why they killed him. I don't need to know anymore. That's what they know. They because that's what I believe. I don't believe there's some vast conspiracy because for all these rich people and this and that. And here's the thing. Let's be honest. How in the hell does it affect my life? Not one bit. I don't They're care. I don't care. I don't care. John, I, John and, and ask yourself, how do these captains of industry affect your life? Not one iota. If they're going to play their games, yeah. play their games. If they're going to do it's not. it's not going to do anything. I think we're spending so much time on stuff. One that you have no power to do whatsoever, even if it even if it existed, which I you know I question. Okay, uh, nothing can be done about it. I, I, I said I mean I don't I don't think there was some grand plot from the multinational corporations to kill Soleimani. I, I just don't. And, and Mike, you want to chime in on something? Go ahead. Yeah, you know what? Instead of, I, I get what John John is touching on three million different topics at the same time, and he's hitting everything with a twelve gauge. Man, he's got a shotgun blast pattern going. He hit everything from Second Amendment to this and that, and he went down. It wasn't just a rabbit hole. He went down a hundred rabbit holes, and he was touching on a lot of stuff that we know is out there and everything else. But he's so frustrated with everything that's gone on with the government and how much we've been bullshitted and, and screwed up. But to take a look at everything that he brought up, everything from paper clip to everything else and everything else. What's the one thing that's missing from all of it is the religious Islamo wackos that are out there that aren't going to go by any of your rules or any of your, let's make money and let's do with the stock market and anything else, because they're driven by one thing. Allah and the virgins and what they're going to do for religion and what, what's going to benefit them for when they die. And they're looking forward to dying. A lot of these hardcore fanatics that are out there, they don't care about stock markets or making money or billions or anything. Not the diehard fanatics that are out there. Okay, so you, you keep on bringing all this stuff. They don't care about CEOs or corporations or anything else like this. Now, this, this guy was saying, well, at first you brought up and you said, well, there are questions they should have answered and everything. And, and no, there are no questions that this is very simple the briefing there were no questions or anything and if they didn't understand it anybody that was in congress then they didn't want to understand it they didn't want to accept like look what you just said you told you told john this guy was he was a known terrorist the only person that might mourn and regret that that guy would would was killed would be the arms dealers that were making millions off of selling this guy ammunition, weapons, explosives, and everything else that this guy was passing on to terrorist groups in other countries. That's the only uh, industry that might mourn this guy's death. The only other people that are happy the guy's dead are the families of so many soldiers, many of whom I know personally, guys who were wounded and killed because that son of a bitch. So when I look at any of these politicians, they start why did we not use the technology to stop the missiles from hitting the ground in the facilities that it actually here's, hit it? Uh, here's here's well, my feeling well, about that. That's a good point. Here's my feeling about that. They bombed soil. They bombed dirt. I mean, they weren't even aiming at people. They accidentally reason. killed those Canadians, which is tragic. But there were, they, they, you know what? They aimed at dirt. I mean, why, why spend the technology to, to take out these 
take down these missiles mm-hmm. when, Not just... they, for one, through my understanding, from my understanding, they uh, they warned the Iraqis. We knew it was coming. They uh, apparently they aimed for dirt. We knew they aimed for dirt. Okay, so they bombed dirt. Oh my God, they bombed uh, dirt. I, so you another know, thing, and then, another but Kelly, thing. Kelly, Kelly of... we're running out of time. So I'm going to bring Kelly in because Kelly had some things that he 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 looked up. He wants to um to, to go over. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, I found an article. Um, that looks like it's in support of Trump doing what he did. This is from the Times of Israel. Okay. Before I do that, this is a fascinating thing. Looking at the Constitution of Iran, I jumped right into the rights of the people. It's like chapter three. Um, <clears throat> because Salini killed a whole bunch of citizens in Iran uh, over the yes, years, and you can't you, yep. you can't do that. So Article 23 of the Iranian Constitution holds that the investigation of individuals' beliefs is forbidden, and no one may be molested or taken to task simply for holding a certain belief, freedom of belief. Okay, freedom of uh, the press is absolutely free, um, as long as it's not harmful to the principles of Islam or the rights of the public. Okay, freedom of assembly, provided arms are not carried nor dot, not detrimental to the fundamental principles of Islam. Um, the presumption of innocence, innocence is to be presumed, and no one is to be held guilty for a charge unless his or her guilt has been established by a competent court. It might be a court, it might be a tribunal. They didn't say explicitly trial by jury. Now, we go to how bad Soleimani was, probably from his authority given by Khomeini, the supreme leader. So here's the article from the Times of Israel. Trump, Soleimani was plotting to kill Americans, should have been hit long ago. That's Trump's statement. Uh, let's see. Yeah. U.S. President says Tehran never won a war but never lost a negotiation. Says the IRGC general was also behind killing hundreds of protesters inside Iran where he was aided. So it goes on to say um, – the military commander who was killed by an airstrike in Iraq was plotting to kill many Americans and should have been taken out years ago. Um, thousands of uh, – yeah, he's, he's saying uh, Major General Qasem Soleimani was also responsible for killing and wounding thousands of Americans and many more in the region. Um, Soleimani has killed or badly wounded thousands of Americans over an extended period of time. And was plotting to kill many more, but got caught. He was directly and indirectly responsible for the deaths of millions of people, including the recent large number of protesters killed in Iran itself. And he was hated inside inside Iran. He should not have been. He should have been taken out years ago. Um, we go on a little more. There's something Pompeo. Pompeo is our Secretary of State, okay? And Pompeo holds a position that um, Pompeo told CNN. Um, that Commander Solmini was acting actively, plotting in the reason to take actions, the big action as he described it, that would have put dozens if not hundreds of American lives at risk. We know it was imminent. This was an intelligence-based assessment that drove our decision-making process. So Pompeo um, was much more – does have on the internet? Pompeo, Secretary of State, is very well aware and probably briefed the president extensively. So this article from um, the Times of, of Israel, 
seems very pro-Trump Trump in what is, 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 is getting reported. And Pompeo, I'm looking at Pompeo. Wow, oh, oh. So, you know, my first question I heard about this, I hope his intel was good. It looks like it. And seeing this, this Soleimani violated what appears to be the constitutional rights of, of people and killing hundreds and even thousands or tens of thousands over the years of protesters that hated him. How in the world was his own government not holding him accountable? That's right. The supreme leader probably was mentoring him and telling him to do this. Well, it's against the Constitution. It sounds like this this radical thinking, uh, just kill your enemy, is still in place, and one terrible tyrant was doing this. Again, not just Americans, but to his own people. Yes. yes. So this is mind-blowing. This well, yeah, the Constitution was like, well, it's just a good idea on paper. It's just advice. Now we're going to do whatever we want. Yep, That's what it looks exactly. like to me. Yep, and so when you got this is. kind of a radical, you got – I would not I would not be surprised. Let's say Trump didn't take out Ptolemy in the next few days or weeks or maybe a month. I wouldn't be surprised yes. if, if hundreds or maybe a 1,000 Americans would be either wounded, injured, or killed in the Middle East or who knows where else. I wouldn't be surprised if that – if he's still alive, he would probably be planning it, and we would hear about how many Americans were hurt. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you know, I think that his people or the people there are were afraid of him, and so it could just very well be that the Trump administration had worked with uh, <laughs> Iran, Iran, however you want to pronounce it, Iran, uh, to take him out. They had us take him out because had they done it, they could have risked, you know, even more, more of an uprise, things would have turned even more chaotic. And so they let Iran save face by shooting, you know, a couple of missiles into the dirt, and they had a big oopsie there and hit a plane. And I'm not saying that to, to, you know, lessen the lives of the people that were lost in the plane, but um, I, I'm guessing it was by accident. I'd like to believe that it was just because there was no intent at that time that was uh, the plane was just taking off from um, from what I understand, and so uh, there could have, and that's why the briefing was so short, just because things were worked out. And I understand kind of where John's coming from. I think I don't know for sure. I don't know, but I'm guessing that John is saying that the, maybe the representatives' questions should be answered if they had any questions to to the best of their satisfaction, because they have to answer to their constituents. And you know, as far as what what happened, and when they're not satisfied and they go away dissatisfied, um, you know, then they've got to deal with their constituents um, because they're representative. They're not leaders, but they're representing people, we the people, because they're part of we the people. Um, so, well, what uh, questions yeah, there and, should and, be, or, or whatever, I, I don't see. It's pretty clear, even if you were not to know what the the back plan was, if there was any. The, the fact that we know this man had done how many people he had killed, that he was going to continue to, to do that, and we had the opportunities. The questions that are there hanging, there shouldn't be any because it's pretty clear-cut and dry in this particular instance. Not in all instances, but in this particular instance, it, it was there. He took the shot. It didn't start a war because it was just a target. And, and, and you're done. And, and let me add this. I know there's a lot of people who are out there, and, and who knows, maybe 
Mr. Lee, uh, Mr. Mike Lee is one of them, who are, who are wanting to get more answers about the, the imminent attack that they're talking about. The imminent attack is we, we got him because there was an imminent attack. Let me tell you something. If I, let me tell you, this guy was sitting right next to me. I point my finger at his face and say, you know what? And since we're on Bard's Logic After Dark and we're not uh, monitored by the FCC, I'd say, <laughs> say, look, I can't speak for all the American people. And, but I can certainly, you know, been following things enough and know enough of the American people to think that, you know what? I would say a lot of us, if not most of us, uh, but I can only speak for me. Don't give a flying fuck if there was an imminent threat or not. This guy, for what he did in the past, not caring about what he's going to do in the future. I don't care whether he had something planned to do something in the future or not. I don't care. He killed Americans. We, he, need, he, we, he killed Americans. He needs to go. We had an opportunity for him to go. He needs to go. So you know what? He went. That, who cares, Mr. Leak? You know, because if you've got some kind of ego, you know, or, or I want to tell my Americans, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter whether they, in my opinion, it don't matter whether there's something being planned. He needs to be punished for his crimes anyway. Okay, so, uh, and I don't see what the problem with that is. I tell you what, we, I tell you what, America better be careful. And I tell you what, we're going to be screwed if we just want to pussyfoot around all the time with a damn explanation for anything, every little minute thing, because we're afraid someone's going to be upset. Someone's feelings going to get hurt. Someone's going to like, oh, well, should we really have done that and second-guess ourselves? The guy should have been taken out. We had the opportunity. Done. And let me tell you something. How do you think we, we won World War One? How do you think we won World War Two? How do you think we won the Korean War? Because we didn't, you know what, we, you know what? We said, boom, boom, it had to be done. And ever since the freaking Vietnam War and since then, well, we always had to question what we did and get answers and explanations and, oh, why are we doing this? And let's analyze why we did it. Who fuck freaking cares? It needs to be done. And so you just do it. Not to take anything from Nike, you know. But you know what? And I seen this great thing at my daughter's school when I was cleaning classrooms the other day. We all know the, the, the Nike swoop, and it says, just do it. Well, you know what? This thing had a Nike swoosh, and it said on it, just finish it. And damn it, that's what we need to freaking do. We need to just finish it. We need to stop pussyfooting around with these people. We got to stop appeasing them. We got to stop tiptoeing. We got to stop thinking that we owe everybody a freaking explanation for something that anybody with a modicum of intelligence would see that this thing needed to be done. He was evil, if you believe in evil, but this guy killed American citizens. He just got done orchestrating an attack on our soil via the embassy, and, you know, the, the guy just ordered an attack that killed an American contractor. What the hell? Uh, the, the thing is, you don't need a briefing. It's freaking right there in front of your face. You already know it. What the hell do you need to be briefed about? Because we got to get all this political bull, all this political bullshit is weakening our country, and the more yes. we allow ourselves. The fall for this, the weaker we're going to get. And I'm telling you, and then you're going to get nations like Russia 
in China who don't give a flying shit about this stuff. And you want to talk about who's going to become the new world power and the new hegemony in the world? It's not going to be the United States because we're going to be a bunch of pansy asses who always have to have explanations for every damn thing that's going to be done because we're afraid someone's feelings are going to get hurt. And that's what it freaking comes down to. And, and, and frankly, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick of it. You know how many, the shit needed to be done. How many bureaucrats are responsible for American lives? I'd like to know how many American bureaucrats are responsible for the the minute the bureaucrats got involved in Iraq, even in Vietnam or any of the other wars. World War II, they kept their mouth shut. They stayed over here. They didn't get involved. Eisenhower had his hands free. I mean, you know, but as soon as like in Iraq, we had the bureaucrats, they, they stepped in and started with the rules of engagement. Telling our guys, I had one of the guys tell me when he came back, he said it was unbelievable. They told him that at one point, they were told that an Iraqi can raise the rifle, an AK, and you can see it right in front of you, start raising it, and you can't put, pick, your, pick your M4 up to target the guy until the guy starts to target you. Are you kidding me? No way. And I said, well, what was the response? He said, the minute you see any Iraqi try to reach for his rifle or anything, he said, that's it. We'd open fire on him. We weren't listening to the politicians telling us that, no, you can't target them. That's not proper. Whoever's got background noise, please, please just stop that or your mic. Go ahead, yeah. Mike. Bureaucrats should stay out of this shit. And that's what's been the problem. Now, Congress and the rest of them saying, well, we weren't briefed properly. You don't deserve to be briefed. This is a military issue. There's something in a combat zone. Stay out of it. We'll tell you what happens later. You're not qualified to get involved because you're going to complicate it and you're going to, you're going to cost us lives. We don't have time for these yep. games. This there is you go. That's for damn it's sure. So yep, the damn politicians no need to stand up. Frick out of it. Yep, because you're right. They're, you're right. They're not qualified. They're not, mil- they're not no. military minds. No. Yeah, I mean, I get all of the re- here. The representatives that make your laws, do your legislation. You're not a military person. And here's the thing. Remember, it's the body of Congress. Here's the thing. Think of it this way: when we were talking about the framers and the Constitution, okay, they left it to a body, okay, of Congress to declare war against a nation. They made one man, one person. The commander in chief. They didn't make members, you know, a, a number of members or one member, any members of Congress or the Senate, for that matter. The commander in the chief, commander in chief, commander in chief. They didn't assign that to Congress. They assigned it to one man. But that time, man, it could be a woman out if we ever have a woman president. What or the way this country is going transgender president. But, it, but seriously, though, one person. Yeah, you're they right. They one person to be the commander-in-chief. You're right. You're right. Okay, because and, – and, and think about what – and think of where the presidents and the leaders came from back in the founding of this country. They were military men. Yep. They were military men. They had no idea that 200-something years from now you're going to have presidents of the United States that never served. They're thinking, you know what? The commander in chief is it. They're the, the head, the, the lead. The, the lead. You're talking about leaders, John. They're the leader of the military. And if they're like attack this thing, military, guess what? The military attacks it. We didn't attack the nation. We didn't invade a nation. 
that's, that is what the declaration of war is. We're going to invade your nation. We're not only going to kill your military. We're going to kill your civilians because, unfortunately, they're casualties of war. We're not doing that. President uh, you know, Trump didn't do that. So to come back and question all, you know, these say, look, if you don't like it, vote them out. That's what voting's for. But the thing is, you, is, you know, quit trying to second guess things because you are weakening the United States by doing that. You're, you're, you, you're dividing us even more. I mean, come on, the nation already is divided enough to hate each other. I mean, well, I, seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of all of it. Just to underscore what you said, just to underscore what you said, remember as soon as Trump came in, the first thing he did was he told the military, you no longer have to call the White House to get authorization. If you've got a fire mission or you're in a situation where you have to make a call in the field, make that call. Do you remember that was one of the first things he did? And all the commanders out there went, holy what? This is outstanding. So no more if you're drawing fire from a building. You have to sit back and, no, I've got to get politically correct. I've got to get permission to open fire. I've got no more. That's it. Call an artillery. Smoke it. You text me that real quick. You text me that, Kelly. Go ahead, because we only got about uh, 15 minutes left. Not even that, because the closing bell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So this is an interesting example. Jefferson, uh, the shores of Tripoli, triple, yeah, the shores of Tripoli in the song Marine Corps Hamilton. Okay. But it talks about the first Barbary War, 1801-1805. What did Jefferson do? What did Congress do? It reads here, this is from the American History Central uh, website. The first Barbary War, 1801-1805, was the first overseas war conducted by the United States. The nations on the Barbary coast of Morocco involved were Algiers, Tunis, and Tripoli. The war ended in the victory for the United States with peace treaties between the three Barbary states and Morocco. Here we go into more details. The first Barbary War was first overseas. We already read that. It happened during the presidency of Thomas Jefferson, also known as the Barbary Coast War or the Tripolian War. It pitted the United States against pirates, individuals, pirates against, against pirates from the nations known collectively as the Barbary States, Algiers, Morocco, Tunis, Tripoli. The incident arose over tributes that were customarily paid to these nations by U.S. traders. In 1801, Tripoli increased demands for payment. President Jefferson refused the demand, and Tripoli declared war on the United States by cutting down the flagstaff, the flagstaff, in front of the U.S. consulate. Congress authorized the use of military force for the protection of American interests in the Mediterranean. On August 1, 1801, the USS Enterprise defeated the Tripoli at sea. In 1802, Jefferson increased the presence of the Navy in the area by deploying additional ships under the command of Commodore Edward Preble. On July 14, 1804, under Preble's command, the Navy attacked Tripoli. The, the most famous event of the war occurred in April and May of 1805 with the Battle of Derma. General William Eaton and First Lieutenant Presley O'Bannon led a force of eight Marines and 500 mercenaries from Alexandria, Egypt, across the desert to the city of Derma, which they lead siege to. Upon their victory, the American flag was raised. This marked the first time it had been done in, in victory on foreign soil. Events of the First Barbary War are memorized by the line of the Marine Corps hymn, the Shore of Tripoli and the Tripoli Monument, now stands at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. And so it was a peace treaty after, basically, Jefferson sent them over and kicked their ass. 
So when you have different levels of war or terrorism, you have, of course, you have individual pirates that a nation isn't doing anything about. You have radical factions within the government that the government can't control. And then you have government-sanctioned people. But what's strange here with this this, uh, Soleimani, it seemed like he was not necessarily sanctioned by the Iranian um, legislature, nor was he sanctioned necessarily by the president, but he was by the supreme leader, Khomeini, who was a basically um, Islamic extremist. Stop comparing them to our government. You've got to stop that. Their legislature and everything is at the whim of Khomeini. It's a joke. That's what I'm saying, though. I'm saying it's, they it's have. a joke. Their government, they have right, no right, government. Right, right, right. No, no, no. It's, right, right, right. What I'm saying, though, is the full government didn't authorize this. It looks like Khomeini, because he's he made himself dictator, is yes. bypassing and saying, yeah, go kill Americans. Go kill a bunch of protesters yes. on the street. Forget the constitution yes. of Iran. Just kill people. Yes. Bad guy. So many. That's how they guy. are. That's how they are. That's how it is. Americans don't get that. You know, everything well, else is all a, it's all a show. That, you know, we've got a president. We've got the legislature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whim of Khomeini. Looks great on paper. It's very impressive. He's the one in charge. Right. But right. So what it looks like, it, it's a government faction, not a full government authorization. No, Khomeini authorizes Khomeini to do this. It looks Khomeini like a dictator. Khomeini is a government. It's a dictator. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Well, practically yeah. and theoretically. There's practical and theoretically. So to me, it looks like, from my, my studies here tonight, it looks like it's a faction of the government, not the official government. And so Khomeini need to be taken out, somewhat like the pirates of Tripoli. You know, he's not the faction of the government doesn't exist. He is the government. The religious, the theocracy is, he is the pope. He is the government. There's so no he functioning really government. So he took over, basically, he took over the government. Not Khomeini. him. All the Khomeinis, all of these religion, ever since they took the American embassy. Religion is dictated and run that government. So they have, on paper... And for the rest of the world, they get representatives and they have ambassadors and everything else. That's great. But they're there at the whim of Khomeini. Khomeini is the ultimate religious leader and governor and dictator of, and president. He's the, he's the boss. What he says goes. If he doesn't want you in power, you're not in power. You're not the president anymore. Just like that letter that, uh, what's his name, Soleimani signed and sent to the president said, if you don't take care of these uh, and send the military in, to take care of these protesters, we will, and, and then we, you might not be president anymore. And threaten them outright. Because this is how it works. You have a job to do. You know, it's, uh, oh. it's you, can, you can't keep comparing it by our standards and say that they have a functioning government like as you know it. You, it doesn't work like that. I'm comparing it's, it to their standard. Their standards are they've got a government on paper, but the one in right. charge, the one that makes all the rules and everything else, it's Khomeini. He is the government. Right. He is the government. So they have a, right, but they have a government on paper. They don't follow it practically. It's what Khomeini does. No, it's useless. Khomeini's in charge. He's no faction. He is it. He's, right, the, right. he's no, the main yeah. guy. Khomeini's in charge practically, even though on theory they have this paper and the way they're supposed to do things. Forget it. They, it's Khomeini. Forget you know, He just stamp, tromples over the, the, the Constitution of Iran and yes. the legislature and the people. Yes. So basically it's been turned into a, somewhat of a terrorist government. 
Well, that's basically what it is, a terrorist government. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, you, yeah. It's really I mean, helped the whole big picture here. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the, the same thing with Hitler. What did he call it? Hitler had he had a, like a parliament, or the equivalent of a parliament. If you take a look at it, if I can find uh, – I wish I had a way. Too bad I didn't have you – I've collected war souvenirs for over 55 years. I specialize in World War II. I've got a book uh, that was printed in 1940 on how to basically how to be a good little Nazi in Germany. And it, it, in it, it has a poster. And it was to indoctrinate the people that they have, that the Nazis had a parliament, and that Hitler more or less was the spokesman. But in there, the second in command would be Hermann Goering. And then each district and everything had district leaders and political leaders that were part of this parliament and special cabinet, we'll put it that way, that would convene and actually make it look like on paper that they had a government that Hitler had to answer to. Uh, no, Hitler was the government. Slavery basically is Hitler. You know what I mean? There was yeah, no the, parliament like that. It was it was it was Hitler, and same thing with him. Same thing with Saddam. I bet you Saddam had technically some sort of a government and everything, a representatives with the Ba'ath Party and everything. But Saddam was the man. He didn't like you. You got killed. That's <laughs> how this right. government's work. Right. You know? Right. But another thing real quick well, I wanted to bring up, when, when somebody brought up about why didn't any of our countermeasures and everything else, we knew that those missiles were getting sent. We're not going to send up any Patriot missiles or use any countermeasures against them because that then Iran, Iran would not have saved face if those missiles didn't land. We had to bunker up just bunker down and just sit there, let them land, not take them on, because we could have probably shot them down. I have no doubt. Look what happened in Israel when, remember what was it last year when a whole bunch of missiles were coming in from Lebanon and they had the, they used the Iron Dome system Iron and Dome, they were shooting yeah. down like 8 out of 10 or something or 7 or 8 out of 10. We could have done the same thing, but we didn't because we wanted them, that allowed them to save face and then everybody's happy. Everybody gets to say, the Ayatollah gets to say, look what we did. We killed eight, 80 of the American terrorists. Oh, good for you. Look at the unicorn. Ah, life is good. <laughs> no. A lot of the missiles that were coming in, uh, a lot of the missiles that were launched at Israel were coming from Iran. That's why the sanctions okay. hit them hard in Europe and all over the world. Right. A lot of the technology for a lot of this was coming out of Iran. And a lot of that stuff was bought with the money that Obama cut loose. Yeah. Yeah. Trump's right yeah. about this, no matter how you try to hide it. And who is making money off of it? The Russians, the Chinese, and a lot of it. And I, John's right. I'm not putting John down for going down the rabbit holes and stuff. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I know a bunch of soldiers, some of them have died. Now, because of this, they got sick. A lot of them ended up with some strange forms of cancer because of this. But, okay, a bunch of our guys... From New York, and the New York Times has written two or three articles about this. If you look, yes, you're going to find it. Um, a lot of our guys were with the uh, 27th Brigade and with the 2nd of the first, uh, uh, Second 108th Infantry, and they were they were all over in Iraq. And when they went over, they were stationed up in Balad. This is after the fact now, so it doesn't matter that I'm saying to this, giving you numbers and everything. Our guys found uh, a chemical facility, chemical weapons facility with storage bunkers that were buried in the ground. Wait a minute, there were no WMDs. What, what are you saying? No, yeah, we found them. They were there. Wow. So wow. the guys told me, they, the guys told me, they said, Mike, we opened them up and they said there were shells, there were rockets, there were missile heads. 
and they were leaking. What? So what did you do? We got out. We got out of there. But Army security came. They took our cameras to make sure that nobody took any pictures of it or anything else. And I said, "What?" So it turns out that a lot of the shells, a lot of the, the rockets and everything that were in there, that had chemical, there were chemical weapons that Saddam had up in these bunkers up there. They were leaking. They were produced. They came out of Italy, Germany, France. There were some British shells. Whoa. So what are you talking about? Well, we couldn't talk about that because if pictures of that got out, that those chemical weapons were found, old chemical weapons, and were sold by our allies, our NATO allies. Oh, my gosh. Saddam. Wait a minute. What would happen to all of our... Our, uh, what do you call it, the willing? Our, remember, you were saying we're going to put the coalition of the willing. We can't embarrass all of our friends by showing pictures of weapons that they sold, Saddam. Oh, and they, I said, you've got to be shitting me. No. Now, they were leaking. Uh, the last guy that died was two years ago. We lost one of the NCOs. He was one of the guys that was on the thing. They lost, I think, so far three guys have died. And we think, all of us, it was from being there and exposed to that shit and breathing that crap. I don't know how long they were in the bunker, but it, not good. So when I hear somebody or any of the liberals or any of the whiners that are out there saying, there were no weapons of mass destruction, it's like, sit down. Sit but you down. know what, God, um, But they were making money. They love- were making money off it. John's right. They were making money off it. The industrial system, is abs- John's absolutely right. They were making money, and they shut up about it. They didn't want to embarrass our allies. So John is right about that stuff. There's a lot of money behind and, this. And, and with that, um, I, I'm looking at the time. We lost track of time, and it's, well, again, one of those shows, uh, first one of the year, that we certainly could uh, we could uh, certainly use another hour. But, unfortunately, we do not uh, hear it. Uh, now, Mike, it's great to, to have you on the show. Of course, you're you know, welcome back uh, anytime. And if you, you know, want to bring up. Some friends with you to join our roundtable discussion. Uh, you're, you're certainly uh, welcome to. Um, you know, I, I do. You know, I know we uh, we kind of give uh, John a hard time. It's just uh, you know sometimes I just I, I, I mean a lot of the stuff that I think is, is that I, John says I, I like to agree with some of it at least agree with him. I like to see be able to happen. I just don't know how feasible it is. And I'm sure John and I just us alone could fill an entire three-hour program. <laughs> <laughs> with going with, with us going back to for, back and forth discussing stuff, I keep promising that one day we'll do it. But uh, maybe maybe yeah, twenty twenty maybe twenty twenty we'll see that into pressure. Just John, I love you, man, but you you raised my blood pressure, and I, I'm trying to be careful with that uh, <laughs> this year. <laughs> anyway, hey, Rob, I do it then, the, uh, the and, pictures the pictures are already out for the uh, all the buildings that were hit. They didn't just hit dirt. You'll see them. Oh, I know. I mean, just I know. But I'm, my my big point on that was, you know, people besides the, the the folks in that in that airplane, which again I say is tragic. And hey, I that, mean, it was that pussyfoot pussy disease. I think it's a rare human birth defect. <laughs> I got you. But that's the closest thing. That's the thing. I'm not going to be able to get uh, get my song off for tonight, but uh, to try to wind down for the evening. But it's definitely a very uh, uh, heated, some cases and, and passionate show and. And that, that's kind of odd for Bard's logic, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> we try to keep an evil head. But I'm just—I mean, I, I mean, I just been—you know—I I do you know, through work and at night and stuff. And I mean, I'm literally—you know—in one way or another, uh, conversing with with liberals literally all day long. And I guess by 
the time 1 a.m. Eastern time uh, rolls around, I, I've pretty much had it. <laughs> with the, with the you got to share that with me, with everybody. <laughs> I'm not saying people here, but I mean, even while we're on the show tonight, you know, while, while talking and looking things up, I'm I'm on Twitter dealing with these these, these liberals and stuff. So I'm just like, and then you know, and just uh, I need to. As I said, I'm trying to watch my blood pressure this year. So anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. we're probably going to get cut off. 